Okay. Do you want me to say anything? Nah, feck it. Let's just start this thing. All right, then. Let's do it. <laughs> We're back. All right, guys. Hello, everybody. We, we are back, indeed. Yet, yet again. Mm. You thought you got rid of us, yet we somehow keep working our way back into your lives. I don't know how it's it happening. I suspect it's because Ross keeps forcing you to listen to this. But look. Oh, I've done. I've been doing a lot of forcing to listen to. Trust me on that. Okay, cool. Also, six times a charm. Isn't, isn't that a phrase? Six no, times. I don't think it is. Six times a charm. And sure enough, I bet, I bet next week for you it'll be seventh time is the charm at that point. No, it'll be like seven times a definite a listenership at that stage. Okay, that's true. If, you're, if yeah, uh, particularly if they get past this one, this is this is the big one. This is the big one, right, guys? Welcome to uh, I understood that reference. Our humble podcast. Uh, I am Ross Chapman, sometimes referred to as Ralph. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. It's a it's a condition at this stage. Um, oh well, is it serious? It's always serious. <laughs> Well, I was going to call you, I was going to introduce you as Ross uh, Sir Siren Chapman after, uh, <laughs> after a conversation we had during the week. I can't remember the context, but um, you and I were chatting over WhatsApp and you meant to say <laughs> something else entirely, but wrote um, Sir Siren. And that has just, it's been burned into my skull at this point that you are now just Sir Siren, so much so that I've changed your name on my phone to Sir Siren. Don't get alarmed. That's oh, the pun. Oh. <laughs> That's the setup. And the, you, and the whole line. story was just so you could say that, wasn't it? Yeah. And I cut it off. So you could just you could just cut my voice out when you're out that part. Just silence behind it. I'll just mute you. Right. So uh, we're going to do a franchise talk at last today. We're going to kind of mm. skip our usual news, our usual intro bits. So we're just going to get one thing out of the way first. And that was last week's... Let's so shall we old. reveal who was who was the truth teller and who was the the soothsayer one? Oh, that doesn't really make sense. But uh, why don't you read out yours and then I'll read out mine and then we'll do the grand reveal. Right. Okay. So my fact or falsity last week was Lance Hamrickson, O.J. Simpson, and John Claude Van Damme were all approached to play the role of the Terminator. Interesting. And, and the yours Rob was? fact was that the sound of the automatic doors opening on the USS Enterprise in the J.J. Abrams reboot of Star Trek was taken from a Russian train toilet, flushing. <laughs> God. God. <laughs> God. I listened back to these, and for a second I was like, wait a minute, which one's true? <laughs> Honestly, I'm struggling a little bit. But Did this actually happen? Is more what I was thinking. Um, anyway, so, Ross... Is your fact in fact true or is it in fact false? My fact was false. Ah, they, you got them. I know. Lance Henriksen and OJ Simpson were both approached to play the role, but Jean-Claude Van Damme was the original Predator before it was changed to a person called uh, Kevin Michael Hall or Peter Michael Hall, one or the other. <laughs> well, I mean, Kevin and Peter, they're such interchangeable names anyway. So it doesn't that make is very difference. true. Um, well, yeah, and uh, my fact, it is... For the J.J. Abrams specifically, it is a Russian train toilet. A train toilet. That's what they do. A train toilet. I hate uh, them things. <laughs> they're the worst. It's real. It's really a stressful idea when you're trying to go to the bathroom in Russia, particularly when you're in transit. Um, in transit, in a Russian, Russian train toilet. Yeah, <laughs> Russian and flushing. 
Oh, nice. Oh, nice, nice, nice. But it's funny because I was researching to make sure that this was true. You were researching toilets. Yes. Um, I'm getting weird remarketed ads at this point. I will not go into it, but some weird stuff has been advertised. Did you say re-marketed ads? Weirdly remarketed ads on the basis of Okay, because for a toilet, a re-marketing would be the operative word. Well, it's funny because if you start searching up like Star Trek door noises, you get everything but the J.J. Abrams ones. So I was like, going through these comp people have put together compilations of just doors from star trek it's fantastic and i think it's more about you know the entrance being significant but obviously i'm listening with great degree of intensity for the noise and hilariously when i got to the jj abrams one and i heard it i was like oh yeah of course that's obviously a russian trend toilet as if i had experienced it in real life <laughs> but i mean what else would it be really <laughs> I mean, when you watch that film, of course you're thinking, oh, there's that Russian train toilet flushing, as usual. Mm, The train toilet. But yeah. I know. Look, to me, it all sounds like a lot of shit. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that was... That that silence that I was met with certainly (laughs) let me know my place. (laughs) Anyway, back to the bog. Listen. Back to the bog. One more thing, one more thing, before we jump into our franchise talk, Mm -hmm. one more thing is that we got to play the great reference game. Yes, indeed, and uh, I believe you're 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 posing it to me this time. Oh, right? I'm up, I'm up. I mean, so far we are not doing great. We are not no. doing our reputation, which is is almost zero. We are not doing that good. Neither of <laughs> us have got the last references. But look, I'm gonna write it down this time properly. I have, would you believe in my notes, reference and then colon. And colon is not a reference back to the toilet thing. This is just <laughs> this. Is, this is just <laughs> I've left space in my notes to, to write it down, and I'm gonna bold it so I I, I return to it. Because I think the problem we faced last time is that we forgot about the reference in the first That place. is what happened to both of us, I'm going to be dreadfully honest. <laughs> but anyway, listen, I'm prepared this time. Off you go. Right. This week's great reference game entry is... Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> now, hang on. I know what this is, but... Go for it. So, so I. Now I'm afraid there's a catch here. That's what I'm nervous about. Well, there's no catch, but I will. I will add one degree of complexity to this. So, if you get it, that's fine. You got the point. But I will be more impressed if you can name one, only one of the three characters who spoke this line. So it's up to you if you want to go for it or if you want to wait till it crops up. But you got to shout the line. I know. Um. I feel like this is this is um, this is good because I feel that th- I know for a fact we're going to talk about this anyway later. There has to be. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> As is the case, so let's just dive in. I'm going to mull this over. Let's do it. I mean, I'm near certain with what it is, but uh, <laughs> how difficult it was last time. It suddenly feels like this one's a little bit easier. I, but, I did. You know what? I even had a, an impression planned again, which I didn't do because I was like, no, no. No, he'll get this. Okay. Sans impression. Okay. Well, I'm going to get you to the, the impression regardless. But let's um, let's park that for the minute so that the listeners can also, you know, they can, they can, they can let that one simmer. Simmer on the brain. Um, and before, actually, Ross, as well, if, you, if you'll beg into my pardon, and before we dive into this, um, this deconstruction of um, movie series and sequels and such, uh, just, you know, for folks who have been listening to us, I don't know what platform you've been using. We're across the board now. We're on Spotify as well, which is great. Um, whoop, whoop, whoop. I think, Russ, did you say you added us to something else? 
Uh, Stitcher. We are now officially on Stitcher, which apparently is great for podcasts. I guess we will find out. Finally, uh, for those who enjoy listening to us on iTunes, you can actually, uh, I think you can review us. And that kind of bumps up your positioning in like new podcasts and new, new and noteworthy um, entries that are on there, particularly, you know, from a local standpoint. So if those of you who are so inclined to give us a quick review on it. Exactly. Um, Look, if anybody is so inclined to give us a five star review, go ahead. If not a five star review, maybe just maybe just park your opinions for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe just maybe just email us directly if you've got, you know, particularly strong opinions. I don't, if, no if need to broadcast criticism. Those. Don't put that there. Just 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 email <laughs> yeah. to us at the lads at Cap Understands dot com all right perfect well okay so let's move on to, like we've been excited about this for a while so much so that um i think we came up with this idea a while back um to tackle rather avoid the news but to tackle series that uh should never have been made or um as we've so eloquently called us leave it there folks all right there guys um, I think we're going to have an absolutely great laugh discussing this because I have some very strong opinions on some of these uh, me and Rob have not checked our lists with each other beforehand because no. we thought that would be part of the spontaneous fun of it all. Uh, I imagine I'm going to have some controversial opinions on some of this, to be honest. I know full well I will. So I'm intrigued to hear what you have to say, Rob. So let's just jump right in. Rob, let's begin our franchise discussion. I Hopefully can't people wait. will agree with some of us. People don't want to leave comments, want to say other ones. Oh, Do it. Particularly if there's an obvious oh. one that we missed, please tell us oh, what it was. But I'm pretty sure we'll have the Corbin's covered. We have lists that could go on for hours, to be fair. So we are just like going these to, movies. This is some of them, some of them from our lists, and there will probably be many more in the future. All right, Rob, you, your first franchise. Let's rock. Right. So this is what I feel is an obvious one. Just when you're, if you were to immediately think of a of a trilogy that uh, was made, particularly certain recently, um, on the back of a phenomenally successful sequel, but just by the very logic of the first movie, it does not make any sense for sequels to have made, and that is the franchise. Of Taken. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Um, <laughs> okay. That, that is not where I expected this to start. No, I good, wanted to... Good Lord. <laughs> I have some more obvious ones uh, coming, but this one just really clung to me as something that, that bugs me. And let me give you the quick reason why, and then I'll let you kind of give me um, your opinion on uh, the trilogy as a whole. Go for it. This is... This was the beginning of... Um, the, the, the Liam Neeson renaissance and I don't mean <laughs> renaissance to lose, use that word with a significant pinch of salt it just means that we saw him a lot more um, and he became an action star this movie came out of nowhere um, directed by that, that French guy what's his name Fifth Element I think and things like that uh, Luc Besson Luc Besson yeah he did direct- Luc Besson I did not know Luc Besson yeah. directed okay wow yeah, so you know, coming from there's there's some he there's also some credit on the professional, of course, mm, with John Reno. But the reason this bugs me as a trilogy is because yes, the first was excess. It was like a sleeper hit. It came out of nowhere, and sleeper hit is a pun because he was a hitman. <clears throat> nice. Anyway, nice, well done. But how many times does a man have to have his family members taken in a storyline for like them to keep making movies out of it? It just is astonishing that they they felt that they could make this work. That. I don't know if you've seen the second and third one. Um, generally, I've the cr- seen the second, not the third, but I, I am aware of the story, shall we say. Yeah. We're going to say spoilers as well, because every everything we talk about, we're just going to talk spoilers the whole way throughout. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, this is, this is, if you haven't seen any of these trilogies, um, this is not a safe Do not space. listen to this. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just leave. But um, the, the first one, in fairness, like, I enjoyed it when I saw it, because it was kind of, it sort of came out of nowhere, and it was good fun. It was like a, 
it, it would have so perfectly serviceable as just a standalone sort of sort of uh, low grade middle tier kind of action flick. A throwback film. It was yeah. like a, like a Jean Claude Van Damme vehicle or some kind of Wesley Snipes movie from the late nineties or early nineties. Yeah, like all those random like you know, there's there's kind of Jean Claude Van Damme is a great example because he did loads of movies, but they weren't necessarily sequels. They're all kind of within the uh, Van Dammeverse, you could say. Nearly, the, you know, the, like the Goddammiverse. The Goddammit. The, the you know the, the, that pulpy sort of over the top action. But you know, there there wasn't necessarily a whole lot of coherency to the story, or certainly not among the other you know the other the movies that you've seen, um, or with him in it. But for some reason, like how unlucky do you have to be for but, for your family members to get kidnapped two more times in the space of a couple of years? It's astonishing. So a lot of what I will say about the Taken trilogy that is that is intriguing is that a lot of films will obviously try to develop their premise beyond the first movie. So say the, f- the first film might come out, be called Taken, obviously his daughter gets taken, he utters that you know really famous quote and goes after or whatever. That's absolutely fine. That is all I need from a stereotypical action movie uh, premise. But the second and third films, they don't try and change up the story maybe keep the name taken too but take the character into a different scenario or a different situation no 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 they, they just they just do it again they just do stop they're, they're just up and taken again just except this time there's another person taken with them i mean it's just it's so brazen there's almost something respectable about it almost well like you saw this you saw the sequel you're saying i did indeed what did you think of that um not as good as the first one <laughs> no, I would it say. um i mean it's it's like a, a, a horrific rip-off knock-off cheap version of the first film mm. but somehow it's actually a sequel as well so it, it's as if they took the formula watered it down completely and then decided wait a second we can't call this something else so now we're going to have to call it taken two and somehow work in the character yet again yeah. just <laughs> change ch- it's his it's his wife and his daughter or something this time it's uh, the same characters it'll, it'll be fine it'll be fine well, also he gets taken, I think, as well. Yeah, as, well, yeah. <laughs> Listen, the, the like this was <clears throat> this was obviously I'd say there was studio pressure here. Like this is a cash grab. The first one was oh, such oh, we... a success, and that's probably that really is going to be at the, at the the core of a lot of these. Uh, and Liam Neeson was not getting any younger at that point, so his his a few years in the action hero role had to be jumped upon pretty quickly. Yeah, like what age was he when the first was? The first one came out in 2008. I'm wondering, like he he was definitely late 50s, I would say. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was, <laughs> he was definitely beyond his ability to be a credible movie star, an action action movie star. Well, there's something very big and lumbering and clunky about him when he's you know sprinting down trying to chase like these youthful delinquents who are you know the bad guys. I'm like, this is ridiculous. But yeah. the second one just really lost the plot legitimately when to find his daughter, she had to throw grenades into the air, almost like... Um, flares. Um, yeah, almost like flares. But she's just pegging fire grenades around around Istanbul. <laughs> like, like, that's a feasible idea. And the, the sequence is kind of swish and, and fun in the sense that that particular moment of you know, where she's throwing grenades around the place, his stuff is fun. Because I think they play into the ability of like a very well trained agent in a way. So I think that's what people enjoy. That it's not about necessarily like it's a brutal movie, particularly the first one. Like it set the scene for the rest of them, but it's kind of the way he has this 
just this intelligence in terms of how to go about doing things that's yeah as it, as it's as in the the say the jack reacher character taken to its natural conclusion as in this is this guy but he's a much older character he's much more aware of his abilities and much more in tune with what he can do and it's letting that guy loose in a sandbox that he can do whatever he wants and he can do all these interesting things but again I mean, even the first Taken film, as I said, it was okay. As, as it was very, actually, no, I, I, it was more than okay. It was, it was good, a good film, but it was so limited in what it could do. Uh, the characters were very limited. The situation was limited. So the fact that it got two more and launched Liam Neeson to almost, you know, near stardom that he didn't actually see before in his much, much better films. This guy was in Schindler's List, everybody. Just, just remember that. As the just, title just character, he was Oscar as Schindler. the titular character. What else is he? Also, he's, it he's is very hard. Uh, Braveheart, discuss. has he? He was, what was. What's that? What's that? What's that Scottish movie that's not Braveheart that has Liam Neeson in the title role? It's really, really good. Hoping, you're not talking Michael Collins, are you? <laughs> no, not Michael Collins. <laughs> Scottish, <laughs> Scottish movie. Scottish. <laughs> I, I really was thinking. I was like, when is this going to crop up? When is Michael Collins going to crop up in this discussion? <laughs> Have you seen the sequel to that? Michael Collins what? too. No. The, the uprising. I, I'm Are joking. I, I made okay, that up. Okay, God. <laughs> hey, hey, well, come on. Does a Titanic do? Um, there is. I've done on my list, actually. Do you? Yeah. Ha ha. Look at that. Look uh, at me preempting your list. Uh, Rob Roy. And correct me if I'm wrong. You've seen the third t- Taken film, yes? I have. Does his... Spoilers, everyone. His wife gets killed in that, right? She does. Yeah. I mean, that even... That that's really leaves a, like a particularly bad taste in my mouth. Because you want, after such horrific Taken situations, you're like... Just give the guy a happy ending. Don't I mean just don't don't do that. That's that's unnecessary. It's it's already in a in a stupidly over the top ridiculous action movie world. Don't then bring that real harsh reality to it. You know, is it is am I am I too am I too sensitive? No, about you're, dead, that? you're dead right because I think people were a lot of I think so. The second one was critically panned in particular. So like, yes, yeah, very much so. Like they said, oh well, like this is obviously a bad idea. People were taken with. aback by it. Oh Jesus, they're like, oh, this takes the cake. But yay! <laughs> so, like they, you know, I think there was an element of this is clearly a crash grab, grab. They shouldn't make it, and then of course they did make it, make the second one anyway, and it was terrible, and people hated it. But then they somehow just, but because it made a lot of money, they still went ahead and made a third one. And I think the general reaction was the third one isn't actually that bad, and actually probably would have fitted well as the second one, as a direct sequel. Yeah, that's what they more, should have yeah. done. And then maybe if they had to do a third one. And it turns out his wife didn't actually die, and it finally is resolved in a in a in a, in a more upbeat manner. To 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 make his wife this significant person more and more throughout the movies, and then just to kill her in the third one, just just with zero, you know, there, there was she wasn't even given a moment to to like there was not even a moment of consideration for that character. She was killed, even, even and then he even, has to leg it. Like that's what happens. You don't even believe that. Like, is he that sophisticated and that so severely? trained like it's so ingrained in the system that even though his wife has just died he doesn't just or ex-wife they're kind of back together it's complicated that's the most complexity that actually exists in any of these movies but the you know he just legs it. he just jumps out of the window it's like well she's dead i'm out of here let's get this <laughs> let's get this final movie in a trilogy going he was looking at his watch ain't no bite sticking around here i gotta make <laughs> i gotta find a phone to make a really ominous phone call to some terrorists <laughs> yeah i need to find who i gotta kill see you later wifey I don't know. I just, I, that's what made me actually. And God, I sound like a really sensitive soul here. But that I, I heard that. I used to work in a cinema when that was released, and I heard that the wife died. And I actually refused to watch the film because it just seems like a really nasty thing to do at the end of like such a stereotypical trilogy. 
So, like, I mean, imagine in, which will probably at some point crop up, but in Die Hard, if at the end of the third film, his wife just just died suddenly. You know, it's it's his ex-wife or whatever, because he's not with her anymore, technically. But just, it would be really, really, a, a, a particularly nasty thing to do in films which are, I know they clearly deal with some crazed subject matter, like taking a person and selling them into, like, sex slavery and stuff. But there is something hokey about them as well. You know, there is something over the top that you you don't want too much realism brought into it no but i think though that the logic of it doesn't even make any sense because that the name of the mo- the whole the whole brand here of this trilogy is that someone gets taken and lean gets them back and then to leave it to the third one for someone to, to die and then he definitely can't get her back like what kind of a what kind of a, what kind of a statement are you making about the movie at that point yeah, we're not prepped for that we, we we want to go in and see this guy get them back not yeah, that's the get them killed point. like the fact that it fills up like you know, he's getting the challenges from her getting harder and harder. Well, that's one challenge, unfortunately, even Liam Neeson can can solve if someone's just unless dead. Taken Four is about him crossing the River of Sticks. <laughs> is that and he's just is that it? Is that from, like Greek mythology? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that is from Greek mythology. Yeah. So I, I know I know stuff uh, apart from movies and comics. Yeah, yeah. Although well, to be honest, I'm taking my knowledge of this mostly from an episode of Community, which was about the ass crack bandit. If you've ever seen it, no, I haven't. But tell me this. Is, am I right in saying that the River Styx is that where Achilles was dipped as well by the ankle into the River Styx that made him greatest warrior that ever was? Well, well, now you've just shown me for the buffoon I am because I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know the name, the River of Styx. I know the Grim Reaper. And you got it from Community. <laughs> That's from absolute Community. Yeah, amazing. We don't need to dwell on this because it's not ever, like the movies themselves. Like they speak for themselves. There's not a whole pile to them. Someone gets taken, and Neem goes on the run. Typically, he's against the law. You know, he's almost like a, he's almost like a vigilante, nearly the way he operates yeah. in these movies, which is which is also fun. People like that. You know, th- th- that's what people responded. They like that kind of action, that hard hitting, lone warrior beating the absolute crap out of uh, bad guys. And like the, the movies were a success, regardless. The first movie made two hundred twenty six million, and people were like, "Oh my god, where did that come out of?" The sequel, as bad as it was, made almost four hundred million. And then, Good God! Yeah, and then the third one made another cozy three hundred fifty-ish or nearly thereabouts. So it neared, the franchise is nearly worth a billion dollars, which is just madness. Like when so you two think- things, two things about the old Taken franchise in this discussion. Hmm. So firstly, I didn't realize we were going to get a get projections and figures brought into this discussion because no, I have none of that. I, but you don't have to. I, can, I, I, I just I love the numbers anyway. But that kind of that particular sequel, I think you could see why they kept going back to them because they just kept making. Making money, but but secondly, my second point was: Do you remember all the Taken like alike films that were made? In I just Lee Meeson in a starring role in films that were essentially Taken, mm. but not called Taken. There was one on a flight. There was one non-stop. where wolves. He was eating wolves nonstop. There you go. There's there was another the one for the commuter. That was the one I was thinking of. I couldn't think of the name. That was it. There's the one where he fought the wolves. He he beat up some wolves. Oh, I think. what that one? Okay, I've seen it. Is that like the the, the oh? The grey? Is that it? The grey. The grey. Yeah, there you go. And he fights it with his fists at the end and everything. Oh, he's like Wolfman. Okay, I thought that movie was, that that movie actually caught me off guard. I liked that far more than I was expecting to. That movie is like powerful and you know, there's, there's just desperation among all those characters that are slowly getting picked off by a pack of wolves. Like it's grim. Like in the other movies, he's he's like this he's on he's by himself and he'll save the day. The grey does not play out like that at all. It's more punishing, I think, as a Do you reckon they are all part of the wider Nisanverse? Nisanverse. I guess so. It's certainly possible. Um, 
it's just what really is happening here is is that it'll all like uh, come to a head at some point where <clears throat> it'll zoom back and it'll be this just this this Liam Neeson as himself, but in a movie, and then he just has all these kind of characters in front of me just said, "What world am I going to save today?" And he just kind of hops into this machine and just lands himself in the middle of like a prostitute ring in France, which is how he got taken, or he just lands on a flight, um, where uh, he says that brilliant line, "What is it?" I'm not trying to crash this plane. I'm trying to save it. <laughs> save it. Yeah. There was a clever thing in that film, though, when the texts, remember the texts would come up on screen so you could read what the texts were saying. It was actually like a fun, a fun little, little movie because, technique. I thought it was really There's was been a five-year, yeah, there's been a five-year, whenever that, whenever that first happened, now you'll see, particularly you'll see that in a lot of TV shows, actually. You'll see that, yes, that. you do. But it, that was the first place I saw it. Also, I mean, we're really, I, I've been biting my tongue and my, my fingers here, just wondering when we were going to get to that, uh, that critical juncture of when we have to either move away from the topic super quick or be like, oh, or like, like Liam Neeson's new film, Cold Pursuit. Oh, look, what's it over there? The next <laughs> movie we're going to talk about in our, in our franchise discussion. <laughs> Cold Pursuit. I, I've heard that's actually, again, kind of decent. We'll, we'll wrap this up, I think. I'll let you move on to your one. But... <laughs> I just want to say, this is a guy who has trained Obi-Wan Kenobi, has been Zeus, um, was Oscar Schindler, Michael Collins, Aslan in uh, bloody like the Narnia movies. Raz al Ghul. He's Raz al like Talk about the what he's capable of doing, and now he's just become this, this sort of big, lumpy action fellow that just kind of throw around in cold pursuit of people. Like, it's just... Yeah, the- Go fight some prostitute rings. Now he did do that no, Japanese not the movie called the prostitute rings. <laughs> he did that movie called Silence of Martin Scorsese, which was such a hard left turn away from that stuff for just this one movie. Then he went back to all that other stuff. Have you seen Silence? Because I I haven't, but I imagine he must have been like, like I mean, lots of money coming in fine, but there's only so many of those type movies you can do before you're going like, look, just give me one of my own. Let me do one classical one that I actually enjoy myself as an actor in. Mm, that's true. Maybe maybe he's doing those we're just not seeing them. Oh my god, his name was Michael Macaulay in the commuter. <laughs> Michael Michael Macaulay. That is that is some genius screenwriting right there. That, no, that's the name of my next door neighbor. There's a person who is in this podcast that would appreciate this even more, but I didn't know that. I'm just going through his filmography here. Oh my god. Anyway, enough of Lehman taken. What do you got next for us? And Michael Macaulay. Michael Macaulay. Michael, if you're <laughs> listening, congratulations. You're in yeah, you've been taken. <laughs> Right, so for my first uh, entry into the franchise discussion, so this is a, a franchise that's obviously clearly near and very, very dear to my heart. Oh, yes. Uh, and that is the Alien franchise. Get away from her, you bitch! Which has just passed its, let's see, 1979, 89, 89, 89. yes, its 40th anniversary. Wow. Uh, so there's like a series of shorts being released on YouTube at the moment, if anybody wants to check them out. They're officially licensed by 20th Century Fox. The, there's one called Containment that just went up yesterday. But hold on, are these, um, like, are these live action shorts? Oh, live action shorts. The first one uh, I watched last week, uh, I didn't care for it. Okay. <laughs> well, didn't care for I mean, I know I'm telling you to go check them out, but uh, I didn't like them. So uh, maybe people might. It's, it's good to know that they're there. But um, I'm going to do a quick rundown of obviously the films uh, and where it kind of went wrong. So we had the genre defining horror film which was Alien in 1979 uh, Ridley Scott directed it is back when you were just born of an absolutely impeccable film it is it is 
just absolutely visionary, brilliant. The sets are some of the best to this day that I have ever seen in a major Hollywood film. Just crazy good. Uh, great action sequences, uh, very, very tense. And obviously one of the first films to have uh, an absolutely standout uh, female main protagonist uh, in Sigourney Weaver's Ellen Ripley. Um, followed up in 1986 by possibly, I would argue, the greatest sequel of all time, which is Aliens. <laughs> okay, I thought <laughs> Thank God. I thought you wanted to go through all the movies. Kind of for... to that. Or do you want, or do you, I'll, I'll lend my perspective to them when I... When you've got yeah, the perfect. So I'll, I'll just jump to them really quickly, quicker than doing now. So that's directed by uh, James Cameron, also, of course, directed Terminator and Titanic and many other huge blockbuster films. Now, the problems came in at Alien 3. So Alien 3 is directed by David Fincher, who kind of uh, refuses to pl- put his name to the actual film. And this is when things kind of started to turn. Unfortunately, it went worse with uh, Alien Resurrection in 1997, uh, directed by a French person called Jean-Pierre Jeunet. But interesting enough, written by one Joss Whedon. What? Yeah, and a lot of people remember that. Amazing. I didn't know that. Um, Followed by a return from Ridley Scott from Alien to uh, a film called Prometheus. And then that was technically followed up by Alien Covenant in 2017, which again was Ridley Scott. These films have really, really close to my heart. I loved the originals growing up. Even Alien 3 at the time I loved um, I struggle with it now because it kind of ruined a, a portion of my childhood. Uh, Aliens is brilliant. I love all the characters. I love I love Hicks. I love Ripley. I love Newt. They all survive at the end just to be unceremoniously killed off at the very start of Alien 3 off screen with just no care for their characters. There was huge behind the scenes issues and it just, it's still to this day pains me and many many other fans now, i've got a little bit to say about this but rob i want to get your take on the old alien franchise first um <clears throat> so of the entire series i've only seen two i've seen the first dead to me sorry, <laughs> seen the first two <laughs> and oh and i've seen alien versus predator but i guess we're not counting that um not yet we're not oh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh i i saw the first one without uh years and years ago um i was very young because we were going through this phase where he would just put on movies that he wanted to watch. And if I happen to be in the room, you know, I guess I get to enjoy them as well. <laughs> Secondhand viewing. Oh, I fucking terrifying. But excuse my French. <laughs> um, really put me off scary movies for a while. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, also, I didn't really know what was going on. I've since gone back and enjoyed it properly. But I think the edge of the movie um, was lost because I remember going in kind of with an awareness of, Called the significance, just having been older and kind of had heard how it kind of plays out, and then also having kind of just a bit of a, a tempered expectation based on how how uh, how uh, grim I found it last time. Um, mm. What I always find interesting is the David Fincher one. Am I right in saying that that's his first foray into directing? You know, he wasn't he because like, he was a sort of a special effects supervisor on, he, he on the Star Wars side of things. Music video director. Oh, maybe well. maybe that's what. It, yeah, so maybe this is his first. Was it his first feature length one then? I, I believe it was either his first or one of his first anyway. Yeah, um, and there was tremendous studio interference in the background. Uh, originally, the original story was supposed to follow uh, Corporal Hicks, who is Michael Bean from uh, Terminator and Terminator 2 and stuff. He was in Aliens as Hicks, and he was promised at the end of that movie that he's going to be given a huge part in Alien 3. He was going to be the lead character. All the designs were done. The story's written. But unfortunately, there was loads and loads and loads of last minute changes. Yeah. Obviously, there was a, a six year gap in between the two. And Michael Bean had slightly fallen out of favor with Hollywood. Um, 
so the story was redone, was changed from a kind of action movie to a very much a retread of the original Alien set on a, on a prison planet with no weapons or no guns to fight back with. Uh, Sigourney Weaver returned, but uh, also at the end of the film, Sigourney Weaver's Ripley dies. So it really left the, the franchise in a bit of a bit of a situation, shall we say. Yeah. Um, well, like, what are you supposed to do with it then? That's the, that's the thing. Do you end it? And a, a franchise like this, which is doing super, super well, is never going to end. So unfortunately, killing your main character leaves you with a bit of a predicament. <laughs> yeah. To... A little bit of a gaping hole, almost like what we left after. Like a, it's like they chestbursters their own series at that point. It's like, nice. what, are the, what are they supposed to do if, like, she was revered because of she was like this and it was great it was like this powerful female figure and she's kicking the shit out of people and people are really responding to it and also the action is pulpy and ridiculous particularly in the second one because that seems to what Ugh. Cameron brings to any kind of a sequel that he takes over it's just this this, this bombastic it's almost like if um, uh, Michael Bay had any sense of style or finesse then you would get the action That's a big against if. Cameron <laughs> if there isn't it doesn't exist but uh, <clears throat> I think, to your point, they, they, they shot themselves in the foot. And then I guess I, I also, I'm under the impression, like David Fincher is so um, famously meticulous and, and anal about things. I bet you, you know, this is his first movie, feature movie as a director. He's trying to do something very ambitious. So nearly wants to wipe the slate clean just so that he, he can put his own stamp on the franchise yeah, properly. Yeah, exactly. He wants it so far removed from the others. But well, again, he's very far removed it now, isn't he? He's, 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 that is, yeah. His name is literally removed from it. <laughs> hey, David, um, didn't you direct that? No, uh, who, who, I, I don't know about that. No, it wasn't me. No, no, no. I think that was Michael Bean directed that. I was, that wasn't me. There's an alien tree. There's an alien tree? Aliens cubed, as I like to call it. And it's, the weirdest thing is is that that's even not as bad as the franchise got. Because even in Alien Resurrection, when it, it was brought back, they obviously had to do some horrific juggling of balls to get the main character oh, dear. incinerated herself in some lava to somehow be created again. There's all this like clone business and it's it's just not good. It's it's just really not good. <laughs> oh wait, did, did they did they bring her back? Did they bring Ripley oh, back yes. for resurrection? That's that's the that's that's what the title is essentially referencing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Sonny Weaver, on, on very, very unwillingly, to be honest, uh, came I, back in the I, end. I think I have seen the start of that then. Because I remember thinking, it is. what the hell is this? And I turned it off. Oh, it is, it is not good. <laughs> if, if you try to watch it again. See, weirdly enough, Alien 3 obviously leaves that gaping hole in my heart where I'm like, Hicks and you. <laughs> but when I watch it, it really does. You just, uh, I know, I you it. keep saying it. <laughs> You're just like, I, I've never been the same since. I always thought, Ross, whenever, even when I first met you, I thought there was there's something missing with this guy there's just something a little bit off and I really think we're getting to the core of the problem here I think it's just it's that a Michael Bean shaped hole in my <laughs> life basically <laughs> is what it is but uh, I'm not the only one it was such a fan favourite character that in mm. video game Aliens Colonial Marines uh, they actually brought him back and changed the canon of the films so that he actually survived which is just it's really really poorly conceived and the game is one of the worst games I've ever played in my life but still it's it's <laughs> kind of good to know he's technically alive in the canon i guess i I guess is that good i mean well what kind of sense of satisfaction or closure are you getting on the character though other than them saying oh well like yeah he's alive technically like that's that's not a good payoff yeah well the, well, the payoff in alien tree is that there's there's one thumbnail essentially of his mangled corpse oh, Jesus. that they just they, they, they haphazardly have in the corner of the screen and it says in the writing 
uh, literal writing that his 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 body was mangled beyond uh, recognition. But oh. actually, Michael Bean, when he was drafted to do the film, walked onto the set and saw the special effects and was so unhappy with it that he tried to sue the company for uh, what they'd done with his image. The fact that they used his image without his uh, consent his right. Yeah, no crazy way. stuff. God, so much fascinating behind the scenes malarkey behind that film. Also, remember I said that there was uh, originally planned to have uh, Hicks in the main role and bring mm. back Newt and stuff. There's actually a comics a series at the moment. I think it's on issue five called Alien Tree, the William Gibson edition. And it's following that original script. So basically it's going to follow Hicks and he'll be the main protagonist. Ripley is in it, but she doesn't do a whole lot. But Newt's back in it too. So it's actually, I'm, I'm looking at the one with, with a lot of interest. So as soon as it comes out in a trade, I'm going to get it. That's mad. Have, uh, tell me this. Have you played the Alien Isolation game? I have. Um, I bought it. It's it's crazy, crazy tense. I've heard um, it's very scary. Because isn't it the whole thing that you're always just, you're just trying to avoid the xenomorph, but basically constantly throughout the game? Like, you can't beat it if it finds you you're dead? Is that oh, how? Oh, yeah, no, you, can, you can't fight back. And it has this, like, kind of uses a PlayStation camera that if you move your body, you can hide behind vents. Or, like, if you want to kind of look <gasps> over a desk, you can use the camera to actually look over the desk. That's fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's, guy, it's, it's a novel. It's a novel. And, you know, I guess it's trying to get you a bit more immersed in the, again, that kind of tense atmosphere it's creating. I'd say with headphones and VR, that'd be absolutely terrifying. But here's a funny one. There's actually, uh, so there's a mic in the PlayStation uh, Joypad, as far as I know. Either it might be in the camera, but it actually detects noise. So if you're, like, if you're hiding in a locker and the alien is outside and you're playing the game and you're coughing, the alien will hear your coughing. Oh my God. Oh yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. Isn't that's it? very cool because you're, you're, that means you're yeah. literally holding your breath while you're playing the Essentially. game. <gasps> local Carlo man dies holding his breath playing PlayStation game. Well, local asthmatic dies. <laughs> I mean, I have asthma here. It's not good. <laughs> I'm just reaching my inhaler and he hears and the predator, sorry, the alien turns around and is like, hey, hey, hey you. Oh, God damn it. Oh, wait, hang on. I just realized, wait, does Prometheus count? Did you say Prometheus? I did. I said sorry. Prometheus and <clears throat> I have seen Prometheus. Covenant. I forgot. What do you think of Prometheus? Um, uh, I don't know what I thought of it. It it sounded like it was it was more highbrow kind of um, philosophically driven sci-fi than like a taut, tense, scary alien movie. If that yeah, makes sense. completely. And um, I mean, I liked the intrigue of it. I, I, in fairness, it, it it itself sold itself as a as a prequel to how aliens came about. So as stuff was unfolding. It did feel like this was more a discovery movie for the characters where they were trying to work out what is this about? We don't know where this goes. And then the, the fun part, I guess, is supposed to be that the audience knows where it goes. Knows where it all ends. So up, you, yes. you can have fun with that. But I, I think it was a little bit bland, ultimately. Um, and of course, <clears throat> we did get some great bits from it. We Mike, did. There, Michael, is, there is good bits in it, yes. Michael Fassbender is fantastic as David. He, he's, he owns that role. Absolutely owns and plays it so well. He's great in that film. I read an interview from uh, Fassbender and he said, he was, you know, people were reflecting on his career because, you know, he's, he's so successful now. And, you know, he was in any career highlights, you know, any, any bits of advice you've gotten or moments, you know, when you're making a movie that, that stand out for you. And he said, honestly, some of the best, one of the best pieces of direction I've ever gotten was from Ridley Scott when we were doing Prometheus. And we were trying to figure out how I um, should portray David. And he just said, just say everything like you're taking the piss. <laughs> what? And that's the kind of, that's what then um, Fassbender embodied to like, you know, because everything is a little bit off the way he delivers the lines because yeah. he's obviously a robot. And that's apparently the direction he was given. 
Isn't that fascinating? That, that that's that is both fascinating and and quite humorous when I think about that movie now. I mean, like I assume Ridley Scott went around and gave everybody on set that advice: just just take the piss. <laughs> you just take the piss. Yeah. Uh, sound guys, just take the piss. Visual effects guys, you just 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 take the piss. Story guys. You know what I'm gonna say? Take 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 the take the piss. There you go. Already done, Ridley. Don't worry, we got you covered. We already have it done. Prometheus, um, guys, it's done. Wrap it. We have we have most of the film of the film. Guys, wrap it. I'm taking the piss as the director. I mean, did you see the, the twist coming with Wayland being on the ship the whole time? Uh, no, but it's 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 pointless. Why is he there? I know. Why is it Guy Ritchie dressed up as an old man? Why is it not just an old man? I don't understand. <laughs> Guy Ritchie, Guy Pierce, Guy Pierce. Yeah, that, that that's a big cast when you think about it. It's a very good Charles Uh bloody Idris Elba. Idris Elba, yeah, true. Forgot he was in that. Uh, what's her name from the bloody Dragon Tattoo series? Right? But I, I always laugh at the, the, a lot of fun was made. Yes, a lot of fun was made of um, Charlie Theron's uh, running, 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 which was when there's a, a a long narrow spaceship crumbling down towards her. All it has to do is to be run. 10 or 15 meters left or right but she just runs in a straight line <laughs> that's how her character dies that's how that is how it works and even she's like fighting the other girl at the time for no real discernible reason and you're like come on guys I mean you got more pressing things to worry about here than like trying to shove each other over as a gigantic spaceship is about to crush you you know it's like get your priorities in line huh and then did you enjoy like the bit where they were on the ship and there was what, what is, is space jockey is that what the, that guy was yeah the space jockey there you go um, I enjoyed parts of it again, but it just doesn't gel. The whole thing doesn't gel. And then even the lead on to Alien Covenant. So she, uh, Naomi Rapace, who's the main character, finds Michael Fassbender. His character is called David. He's a robot and he gets decapitated. She finds him, puts him back together. And at the end... You could call him Decapitated. That was absolutely awful. I mean, I, I'm not even going to give you props for attempts at that. Anyway. But well done on attempting it, Adam. <laughs> But as she tries to fly off at the end and says, you know, oh, we're going to search for where we came from and find out who we are. And it kind of leaves in a bit of a intriguing, hopeful note. And by the time the next film starts, he's already gotten back, gotten back his body, has killed her, all this off screen. And it's just, what, what, you don't do that to a character we, you just built us up to like. Don't, you know, and put her through all this hell and then you kill her again off screen in a really horrific manner and just leave us with that then. Yeah. The the uh, I think again it's it's like for for Prometheus and for them what was that what was that other one you called it Alien Covenant Covenant um it's almost like they were tiptoeing around the core of what people love yeah in those yeah. original Alien movies they just couldn't they were they were just weren't they were just missing the mark of it so slightly because you have Alien and Aliens which lead together so well and just people adore kind of how they evolved and then yeah. aliens just went off alien cubed went off the rails altogether and then they tried to then they had this weird you know crossover stuff and then they tried to kind of corral it back but i guess they figured well we can't just hard cut straight back into um, a standard alien movie we kind of have to apply yeah. i guess more context as to why all this exists in the first place and kind of work our way there and which i would argue is a horrific way to go about it <laughs> <laughs> Not the way I would do it, to be honest. But there is there there is hope, though. There is hope. So there's the potential. Um, another franchise we might touch on later is Terminator, and uh-huh. there is uh, a Terminator Six coming out now called Terminator Dark Fate, which yeah. actually ignores Terminator Three onwards. If that film does well, 
then the same thing is going to happen with Aliens, where an Alien film, Alien 5, is released that actually ignores Alien 3 and the rest of them and is set immediately after Aliens and brings back Hicks and brings back Newt. Uh, the director attached is um, the guy from Elysium in District 9. Oh, Neil Blomkamp. He's been attached to an Alien movie. He was attached to Prometheus and he was attached to Covenant. Yeah. His track record is patchy. Hey, patchy at best, I would say. At best. Remember when he made a movie about a robot that like became like a South African gangster? Listen, this hurts my feelings because it's called Chappie and my second name is Chapman. So I feel I have a ah. bond with this guy. It's awful. <laughs> I hate that film. And, uh, Hugh Jackman is in it unexpectedly. And with he, the, with the, with he the in that role is taking the piss. <laughs> a and he has a mullet. That is true. Right, so tell me on. this. At what, yeah, we'll move on, but I think it'll be fun. Is at what point should they have left it there? Because Taken was obviously the first one. Where where do you feel like they have they recovered? Should they just have left it at Aliens? I, I, I think they should have left it at Aliens. But the thing is, I feel Neil Blomkamp could come back and make a great Alien tree. And I think there is or a lot of potential in that universe. So I see why they didn't. The problem is that they just horrifically ruined all the rest of them. <laughs> Well, Neil Blomkamp is like uh, M. Night Shyamalan to me. You make one hit of a movie and people just keep giving you money to make these experimental movies and they're, a lot of them, they're misses as opposed to like, more, mis- more misses than hits, I would argue. Oh, completely. But have you seen his uh, Halo shorts? Not his no. like boxers. He's not boxers with Halo on them. But like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm very disappointed. I mean, he might. <laughs> it's part of, it's like it's like an Easter egg movie. Um, no, I haven't seen those. But they, um, they're super good. They're like five minutes each, and they make like a twenty-minute film altogether. Super good. Oh, super okay. Good. I'll have I'll have a look. Better than the uh, <laughs> the other recommendation you were telling us to watch the the the, the, the alien shorts. Listen, listen. There's potential in them as well. The could the new one could be great for all I know. It's probably not. But you know. Either way, I think I I don't know. I, um, I probably need to go through that entire. But even now, I people have not liked the other ones, so I kind of. Maybe I'll rewatch Alien Aliens and give Covenant a go because I'm intrigued by it, but that's as much investment as I'm giving that series as it stands. I mean, I wouldn't watch Alien Covenant if I was you, to be honest. <laughs> Alien oh. Aliens is all the commitment you need. Uh, okay, should we move it on? Go for it. Um, this is this is this is a pretty obvious one as well. I think people might have thought of this, and it's again, it's kind of interesting. At what point they should have cut it off? Um, the Tolkien verse. Ooh, um, because this is obviously fascinating. It, it this is really fascinating because it's it, it's worked in a way that I never expected movies to work. Where the earlier, less polished films are somehow better <laughs> than the later, more technically proficient films. I mean, there's a lot, and I, I'll dig into why. I'll, I'll dig into why the specifics of why this played out. So obviously, on one hand, you have uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So, um, arguably, again, one of the greatest trilogies of all time, yep. I would say. No, no more than you were saying, Aliens is such an, an incredible sequel. The consistency from start to finish, from Fellowship through to the Return of the King. I know people find Return of the King very long. Personally, I don't mind because if you're, you know, particularly when you've had such, when you've become so involved with the characters in the first two movies and they've given them so much time, it's nice having these rounded finishes for all of them individually i feel and i know that's that's probably a little bit you know they're indulging themselves a little bit there but that's besides the point just they're phenomenal just from a from a character standpoint that this again something that you and i love to talk about is the sense of scale and epicness mm. to movies when it's done right it is powerful and boy oh boy do those movies hit it so that's on one side of course so that's so that's one 2003 and then you have 
and <laughs> you have The Hobbit, which which came out. What was that? I think it was around two thousand twelve to two thousand fourteen. Yeah, and um, also a trilogy, and inexplicably one. Everything already. There's so much that was wrong with it going in that confused people. That really highlighted it is this is so unnecessary and obviously a cash grab. You know why are you making this? The first. Like, Lord of the Rings is divided into three books. The Fellowship, the Two Towers, and The Return of the King. The Hobbit is about a third the size of The Fellowship as a book, but they're making three movies out of that as well. And it's ostensibly a kid's book. Yes. It was the kid's version of Lord of the Rings in a way. It was the kid's prequel that, you know, you can read to kids, and then when they grow up a little bit, then they read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That was the point, should I say, of the of the books. Yeah. Absolutely it was, and that that's apparent in these movies because it is so hokey at times, it drives me daft. And like there's so much filler throughout that you know it's not it, it like not nothing the sense of progression that you get, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy feels like a journey. The Hobbit <laughs> actually follows the, the title of the first one very well. Quite an unexpected journey. I did not expect to have to go on a nine-hour binge yeah, yeah. With, with, with this with this trilogy just to get from uh, from nowhere the, to nowhere, from nowhere to nowhere else. <laughs> to, 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 to touch on what you're saying earlier, it's kind of like you, you got it right because the Lord of the Rings people say it's indulgent at the end, but I don't think it is because they've earned that over the three films. It's so consistent; it feels like one movie, but it feels like so much has happened that they've earned that indulgent ending. The Hobbit movies, I've forgotten 99% of it, large swathes of that movie, because it's all pure filler. I mean, even stuff they made up that wasn't in the book. Like, come on, guys. If you have to make two films, just make two films. Is that is that so bad? Instead, you made these, like, really just, they don't fit together at all, the tree. And they, see, they, they thought that they could get away with, like, pulling, you know, stories and things that are referenced, you know, from this this. This this talking pantheon that they could yeah, use, yeah, the similarian and stuff. Yeah, so they could they could they could build from it, and like you know, like uh, Tolkien just left a load of you know un- he he had a lot of unfinished works as well. So just a, he has loads of just appendices of just you know little excerpts and paragraphs that he's written about worlds and characters. So they they would have referenced those as well, but that in itself is a problem because they're not stories that you can just stick together and make work in a kid's story that is specifically supposed to be self-contained and shorter and more accessible for kids. Like, there's so much that's wrong with it. And that's just from a story standpoint. The basics, and then, basically. And then you get to just the production trouble it had. People don't really seem to realise this because the movies still were a success, but the only reason they're a success is because it's a return to Middle-earth. So people are just, people were, oh, boy, oh boy, did people want to get back to Middle-earth. I love those other films. Surely I love these films. And it's the same director. You think it's, they're making a New Zealand again rinse or repeat even if they did that i bet you'll still enjoy it problem was is that peter jackson didn't want to make this mm. specifically didn't and what happened was is he passed over directing the duties to Guillermo del toro yep. who then said well you know we'll have you on board and chris was or peter jackson was like i'll uh, i'll write them and i'll produce them and you can use my production copy but I, I i don't have the the bandwidth to direct these and then Guillermo del Toro pulls out but the studio is still pushing to get these made, made for a certain release date or something and then Peter said oh I'll do it and then he sits down and does all these story meetings for all the people and then apparently um, they realised that because they hadn't fleshed out the specifics of the story and they weren't ready what ends up happening is like okay if we stretch this to two we can find the breathing room among, among these to cre- like they felt like they needed the third movie almost as like a cushion 
to just figure out how they wanted to sell this store because they hadn't fine-tuned it into two. And this is this is not a lie. Like this is by admission of people on the the studio. Peter Jackson <clears throat> are showing up because they were so. This isn't specifically his fault. This is just you know where production is being forced by maybe a larger studio or some executives or whatever saying like this needs to get made because the money has been invested in building props and and paying for you know concept art and like their CG folks ready to go. He was winging it on the day, every day, going really? in, just trying to figure out where he was going to go with a scene. He had like a rough script and just this big set and he was just bouncing around and he'd be doing these, you know, 15, 16 hour days trying to figure out just how to get this scene to work. And that in itself comes across. And I would argue in most cases, he didn't get those scenes to work. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like even little things like, so the amount of CG used in the original, the amount of like human effort that went into the, like the, the set pieces in the original Lord of the Rings movies, where if you look at a scene, you can tell the sense of scale due to the amount of people that are there. The amount of armor, the, like the Weta workshop really put in amount of t- time putting together these like armor sets and and swords and shields. Everything feels real and everything feels damaged. Whereas obviously for The Hobbit, they just went, look, just just get five people and we'll CG 550 people. And the film looks like that. It just looks so poor compared to the originals, even though they were a good 10 years beforehand. Yeah. And and again, this is, this is the Jurassic Park problem. It's like, why does the first the, one the hold up so well? Because the power went down. Oh, sorry, no, that, that's a different. <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, just the idea that you know, why does the first one stand the test of time so much more than the others? First of all, it's just a good self-contained movie, uh, but also just the CG is you sparingly and kind of just it's more thoughtful. It's not like CG is thrown in just to do everything. It it solves a problem that unfortunately they legitimately can't do with exactly. physical yes, stuff. We'll try every single thing to do it in real real life, and if we can't then I guess CG will have to do. Yeah. And, you, you know, do you have Jurassic Park on this list? I do. Hey! I do. I, I had to address that one. Actually, I have a Spielberg trifecta of series. A trifecta? That I want to, that yeah, like a trifecta of, of trilogies by Spielberg that I want to address. <clears throat> because more, much like Alien, they're very personal to me. But going back to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, it's kind of... Like, when you look back at those... Like I, so the the... the the Lord of the Rings trilogy is on Netflix now, and I've gone back to it and rewatched them. And look, the CG is definitely wobbly at points. There is, there is some of that stringy man syndrome, like the yeah, old Spider-Man ragdoll, movies. Uh, yeah, those ragdoll yeah. effects look a bit weird, and particularly things like the trolls and the ogres look a bit weird. Um, the larger beasties look a bit odd. Um, like, or if you say, if you watch the bit where uh, Legolas climbs up the elephant, and yes, that's very wonky looking. But you get great payoff because then it goes. That still only counts as one. That um, that is true. That is, but it but it does look even the way he's like skateboarding down the trunk of the elephant, and they are called elephants, if I'm not mistaken. Oli- but anyway, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, they are. But if, yeah. if like, he's skateboarding down, and you're like, Ugh, uh, but it's uh, clearly uh. just Orlando Bloom, just kind of slowly, kind of bobbing his head in front of a green screen. Yeah, and that's the effect. But look, because but they get away with it. Because yeah, you, the you movies themselves, the, so story, like, sure, the story, the story, the characters, everything's great. It like it, it like, and they're those. They're, they're such blips across this, like you know, this ten-hour trilogy that you know, like you really don't notice them in the whole scheme of things. My God, it talk about setting the scene for, like, say, the first The Hobbit movies with, and um, there's like this CG dinner dance where they're throwing plates and buns and food around the place, and it's just this extended sequence of them singing. I'm like, what is this movie supposed to be? 
But see, that, so much that works in the context of the kids' book that yes, it was exactly. originally meant to be. It doesn't work in the context of a film you're trying to make as this epic, epic trilogy of of, of Lord of the Rings proportions. It doesn't work. Do you know? Because it's too you, small and personal a story. <clears throat> I have read it. So then, you you know the part at the end when the big battle's about to happen. Um, he gets knocked out and misses the whole fight. The whole <laughs> fight isn't in the book, but of course the films they had it. Again, it's almost like it's going back to like, you know, where someone catches this little moment where they can make this huge thing out of it. Then It's like someone noticing that Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne's parents or moms are both named Martha. Someone realized, oh, my God, oh. they didn't uh, they didn't uh, they didn't actually show the movie the book. But that doesn't mean, oh, my God, we could just we could just fill up a third movie with this battle that they reference in one line here. It, it's it goes back to that focusing on the wrong things and embellishing. Like, I think personally, I think the second one of the Hobbit movies is the best one because Wow, like I thought they had savaged it when the like, smog was incredible. I thought just they are they, apart from the smog bit at the end of that movie, they are literally indistinguishable in my brain. Like if you asked me to pick a specific part of one of those films, I would say I know smog is in it, and I know there's an absolutely horrific scene when the, the two of the hobbits or two of the dwarves are trapped in a cage and one of them is falling in love with a girl Evangeline Lily who for some reason is there and it, I don't know she falls back with him and he's a really attractive guy even though all the dwarves are supposed to be ugly anyway I don't know that's the only two parts of those films that I remember uh, oh you probably remember the bit where there's and it is kind of fun where they escape in barrels in the second one. Oh Christ Do you remember that they go down the river that is not they go down the river <laughs> It's a barrel of laughs. Oh, yeah, I was gonna just yes. in front of us. Victory is mine. I was I was giving it a little bit of breathing. I was like, okay, I'm gonna jump in with this. No breathing um, <laughs> No, none whatsoever. It's a tight barrel. But the, the um, I think the the second one has more redeeming moments, and then it like this. They gave a lot of time to the to the villain as Smaug. I thought, wow, that was fa- phenomenal. And even just how they ended it was really epic and sinister. You know, it's just him saying, "I am death," and he flies off. But the third one is where they really piss me off because it's just they go going back to your duplication of like CG characters. It's just CG, CG, CG. Just throw CG at us. There's no story. Like honestly, <clears throat> there's a bit in that where Legolas is jumping up falling stone. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do not. Remember that bit? This bit where like there's a bridge falling and all, all the stone is falling on this bridge, so it's going down. But he's still able to use them as steps to run back up as it's falling. And it just looks so weightless and preposterous. I mean, strange enough, I can picture in my head how it would look in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, it can only look one way and it looks terrible. And it goes back to your point about why do these ones look worse? For context, the third, the first three, like the, they're disconnected, but, you know, it's the same kind of production houses, I guess, same world. And some crossover characters again, like Legolas isn't in the, the Hobbit in the book, but they just put him in there as it's like a fan service thing. There are certain elements like that I'm okay with, but they made him too major a character. It would have been more fun if he's just if they just bump into him at a bar. Exactly, know, for, yeah, like, like the Hugh Jackman in X Men First Class. Exactly, that's when it's that's when it's okay and it doesn't take you out of it. When he becomes this this focal point, particularly when it comes to all the battle stuff in the third one, it doesn't make sense. Let's go briefly back. The first trilogy cost in total about two hundred and seventy million dollars. That's a lot. They spent about ninety million on the three each on each of the movies. Each of these Hobbit movies cost two hundred and fifty million to make. How? That's just what they spent on. It's just throw a lot of money at it, but they, they weren't prepared. They weren't ready. So still the was finished it product. Like fucking was the caterers doing Ferrocia triangle pyramids every day <laughs> for lunch? Like I don't know. I, 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 it's it's 
so hard to wrap my head around this one. Like, people would argue that they were always going to make a Hobbit movie and that they should have, but I cannot not see just the daftness and the luxurious, over-the-top nature of this trilogy that is so indulgent. Like they're just like, oh, we'll just put in this little silly scene. And like, to such, know, we- and to such, such a bad end result because there's no way that you could watch those films in light of The Lord of the Rings and think to yourself, we've done it. We've made another trilogy like The Lord of the Rings. You know, there's like somebody had to be like, mm, mm, I don't think we have. <laughs> like they, they, they still made a lot of money, so it's fine. Like they still made around a, a billion each, which is what the other ones made. So they were like, they were still like commercially, they were a success. But they, 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 they completely missed the mark. And I think a lot of what we'll find as we go through some of these on the list is that there's a real art to just taking one movie as a standalone movie and just leaving it there and just it becoming like this cultural beacon for comedy or drama, you know, as a standalone movie. But you really tarnish the name of something by just ha- like just so yes. hamphysity throwing on other sequels and maybe a nice standalone Hobbit movie that was just a little a little dip back in, a little dip back into that world and just a dip of the toe and then move on again. That's fine. It was nice to be reminded of it. But look, we have that world. We have the Lord of the Rings there anytime you want to watch it. Because now I am, like you said, it's almost, it has put like a slight, slightly tainted my opinions of the Lord of the Rings because I'm like, ugh, do I have to watch The Hobbit first just to get in the mood? And I'm like, oh, I hate those films. But I do, I mean, the Lord of the Rings are, are all-time classics, so... It's, yeah, but isn't that... Talk about it being, being so strange. All-time classics to one of the most expensive, forgettable trilogies you've ever made. For, just that, crazy. That's what's actually worse, is that I'm not even going to say they're terrible films. They're just so forgettable. Like, I would I, sometimes I forget they made The Hobbit into a trilogy. <laughs> but, so, they, they, like, they tried to be... Like, they had a lot of money because they were trying to be... A lot of money, I mean. Not a, lot, a lot of movie and a lot of money, as it turns out. But they were trying to be experimental. So, like, they shot the... The reason I think it looks very weird and glossy is because they shot it on these high frame rates. Yes, I remember cameras. The, 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 the brand new cameras they had and it does in normal cinemas. It gives this weird effect when you watch it. It's almost like watching the news. It, it looks that the frame rate is too high that it yes. takes away from like that classic sheen that a like a like a film print movie would do or something. Like, and you can still get that effect on digital, but by committing to like the, the format that they went with, it just it, it looks weird. You're not used to it. So that already kind of takes you out of it. It doesn't look like this majestic, really weird... Like, I think a great part about the Lord of the Rings stuff is that it was it was all sort of majesty versus against subtlety. Like, yeah. like everything looked epic, but it was kind of... It was still grounded in like a sort of a harsh kind of hobbled together kind of stonework masonry. Whereas and this everything was, was kind of... And yeah, poly- exactly. Back in, the, back in a fantasy world that isn't... That the, like they were eating from pots that looked dirty and the shields looked filthy and everything had a realist, realistic quality to it, but in the grandeur and majesty of it looked lived in. It looked, it looked lived in. Whereas lived in. There you go. Lived in. Whereas the Hobbit is just it's it's so obviously just again a problem of just green screens, CG thrown at the problem. So for you then, in the when when should they have said no? Should they have said no to the Hobbit altogether? Should they have like after the first one being like, oh god, this did so bad, let's not make any more? <laughs> um, it's, it's it's a difficult one. I mean. I, I think the casting was fun and I enjoyed how it started but after the first hour of the first one that's where they should leave us <laughs> alright I got my toe dipped in back of the, I don't need any more I don't need anything yeah, else this was a mistake this was definitely a mistake <laughs> somebody peed in that water this is a mistake yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think where do you think they should have left us just not made it at all I, I, I mean, even logistically, I don't think they should have made it at all because, 
Legalist um, Orlando Bloom already looks completely different. Uh, poor Ali McKellen, poor guy is struggling. <laughs> he was struggling in that movie to, to kind of do that again because a lot of the time he was because all the dwarves and stuff are made to look smaller. He was uh, on a green screen by himself. Apparently, he broke down and yeah, I heard and that and started crying because he was just in front of a green screen all the time. He said, "Yeah, this is not what I'm supposed to do." Yeah, I mean, he's no Ian, McG- he's no uh, Ewan McGregor in a. Uh, the, the the Star Wars uh, prequel trilogy, you know. <laughs> uh, he like, enjoyed it. Green screens are my thing now, man. I I don't act with real actors anymore. Just green screen. One of my favorite all time gifts is just the bit where his head pops up and he just goes, "Hello, Hello there. there, Hello there, General General Grievous, General Grievous." There you go. Did I say I didn't? I send you that video for uh, he was in the Winnie the Pooh movie uh, recently. Oh, you did. I'm going to have to put that on the website. I'm going to have to find it. Master Kenobi! Isn't that what he says? <laughs> That's what the bear says. That's what's been superimposed. Yeah, it? so the bear turns around and says, General Kenobi! <laughs> oh, I'll put it up on the website. I'll find it and, and gif it on the website. Perfect. Um, or you can tweet it. All right, buddy, what, what have you got next? Right, well, this is obviously a, a major one. I've talked about it earlier. Uh, it's kind of, I feel like I have to cover these because, again, they're all my childhood, they're where I came from. But it's the Terminator franchise. Mm. So Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, both directed by James Cameron of Aliens. Uh, actually, from an idea, he had a, he had a nightmare one day about that first image of the Terminator. What, you're kidding me? On the skull. Yeah, yeah. No, he said he said he was turning, tossing and turning one night and he saw a foot step on his human skull and it was a robot's foot. No yeah. way. Uh, that, that, that was the genesis <clears throat> of the idea for... Um... The, the Terminator all series. those movies yeah now here here's a so there's, I'm just going to go really tr- go through really quickly how many there is and what there is and I got a very important question for you after and this is where I become controversial so there's Terminator 1 Terminator 2 that's uh, both James Cameron uh, films now the first one was man versus machine so it was a human soldier sent back and the second was a machine versus machine uh, Terminator 1 was 1984 and Terminator 2 was 1991 these are so well regarded, both of them. The second one is considered, again, maybe the best action film of all time and is always talked about and always put on these lists. The problem occurred when uh, Terminator 3 was released in 2003 by a guy called Jonathan Mostow. I mean, who, who is that? I don't I, I, I didn't... <laughs> As you were saying it, I just remember thinking, I have no idea who this is going to be and I still don't know who that is. I mean, I was looking up on IMDb the other day and I'm like, oh, of course I'm going to know the director. And I was just left there, looking at myself in the mirror, questioning my life choices about why I'm doing a podcast about films when I don't even know who the director of Terminator 3 is. Has he done anything else? Uh, not that you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? so, so then in 2009, they tried to bring it back again uh, to Terminator Salvation, which I, I don't wholly hate. Neither uh, do I. Mick G. Oh, God. Did he make did, that? Uh, Charlie's Angels. Um, did he make travel. a Battlefield movie? We'll get back to- <laughs> I think he did. Anyway. Battlefield movie. Or Battleship. Like Battleship. Battleship. Did he- oh, yes, he did. He did. It was the Hasbro Battleship. Hasbro. After Transformers did so well, they tried to make a film about <laughs> literal Battleship. But Rihanna. Is in it. Liam Neeson is in it. And that ill-fated actor who is in John Carter. And he was also Gambit. Like, everything he touches just turns to dust. That's so weird. I was going to say turns to dust as well. Maybe I just watched it. What is his name? What is his name? Um, oh, long-haired guy. I know who you're talking about, but I don't know his name. 
Ugh. Was he in anyway. Pearl Harbor as well? Was he? Maybe he was, but he's probably a bit younger back then, so maybe not. Uh, I, I, it's, it's hard to know, but either way, sorry, Anyways, keep going. So the last, the last Terminator film then was 2015, and that was Terminator Genesis. And here's an interesting one for you. It's from a guy called Alan Taylor. Do you know who that director is? Did he do Casino Royale? No, he didn't. But he did do Tor the Dark World. Oh, So basically dear the God. shittest movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe he directed. <laughs> I think he's done Game of Thrones stuff. That name rings a bell. I think I've seen a video about him recently. He may have done Game of Thrones stuff, to be fair. Because, I mean... Well, first, before, we, before I dive in, can I just say, I understood that reference! Yay! So, when you first said it, obviously, come with me when you want to live. As you said it, all I could hear was Schwarzenegger saying it. But you have posited, you've added another dimension to this. I have. Now look, you got the point. Don't worry about it. So this is all, this is free to lose. I, but... I, I remember, sorry, so, okay, obviously, it's, it's, it's a Terminator reference. But what, what question, what, what, what other embellishment did you give the question there? The start of the episode? The other one I added was that I, three characters in the movie franchise say this, and I will, I will be impressed with you if you can even name one of them. Now, you can't just say the Terminator. You have to give me the specific model number. Oh, T-800 is, is Schwarzenegger, isn't it? Doesn't he yeah, do? well done, yes! Um, well done, well done. But I, I, I don't know anyone else who says it. I can't think. Right. So Sarah Connor in Terminator Genesis. Oh, she opens the truck. It. Yes, yes, she does. And of course, the well, four, yeah, three people say it, but it's in four movies. So in Terminator... The first one, of course, the, the line is first uttered by Michael Bean. Yet again, Michael Bean crops up as Kyle Reese when he says to Linda Hamilton, come with me if you want to live. It's a brilliant moment. He saves her in the, the nightclub, which is called Tech Noir, which is just class. Um, and then Kyle Reese also says it in Terminator Salvation, where he's played by the now bloody deceased uh, Anton Yelchin. Poor guy. Yeah, Jesus, horrific story. But anyway... Um, so there's two characters or three characters that say it. I think there is another because I know the TA hundred says it in Terminator Two again to Linda Hamilton, "Come with me if you want to live." But um, I love Terminator One. I love Terminator Two. But I think, and this is the controversial bit. I think Terminator One is a better film than Terminator Two. Oh uh, wow! Okay. Yeah, I I think not, why I'm not get a lot of people why. Yeah. Because I love the man versus machine angle. I love the resistant soldier human sent back to try and stop this absolute killing machine. I much prefer that bend than the robot versus robot. Not that Terminator 2 is bad, but just, you know, I prefer the man versus machine. And also uh, Michael Bean's in it, and that means a lot to me. <laughs> okay, there's a bit of an undercurrent to a lot of these decisions I'm feeling. At both the, the Beaniverse! Yeah, the Beaniverse! <laughs> is Rod Atkinson part of it as well, or how does this work? I mean, work? it can be. You can be. Um, I, 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 I certainly prefer the second one the most, but I, I've only really ever watched The Terminator maybe fully through, I'd say only once. Um, and I don't know why, I don't think that one has aged as well, I feel. But also there's an element of just the sheer mayhem, the constant motion of Terminator 2. Like They, they, they don't get a time to breathe, really, before yes, they're on they the again. It's so frenetic and exciting. Like there's purpose to the action, which is something that Cameron I think is very good at. It kind of references what I said earlier. He's so good at it that when you go from beat to beat, they're well connected, and you know why 
they're in a in a there's a logical yeah you know why they're in the drainage basin going with a truck and a bike and then you know why they've ended up in a van with a helicopter chasing them you know which apparently they really flew that helicopter under the bridge because it was the cheapest thing to do did you know that I, I didn't. I mean, is that the cheapest thing to do? The Apparently. The, the... I mean, the cost of life is high, yes, but that's only if yeah, something I was goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but we are willing to pay it. I'm surprised they're willing to pay for those movies. Um, and it's funny because you've, you've introduced a person who's so good at the sequel stuff. I mean, we mentioned him briefly earlier, but we're properly in his domain now. Is James Cameron is so good at... I guess it's his own franchise that he breathed, breathed new life into, but he did it with um, Aliens, and now he's done it with, like, he did it to himself. I, mean, I can't believe he did himself. It's crazy. See, see, it's, it's amazing because James Cameron, like, when I when I say James Cameron, I obviously still think Terminator and Aliens, and I'm like, he's one of my favourite directors. But his career has now spanned into, obviously, ter- uh, Titanic, which I, I don't know. It's I don't know. It's it's a good film, not a great film, and I dislike Avatar tremendously. So I'm just <laughs> we'll get to bit... that. Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> but um, so I still have a soft spot for anything he does, even though I think on the whole I probably dislike more of his films than I actually like, which is strange. But the ones I like, I like quite tremendously. And um, the problem is the Terminator again. Why it went so bad was Terminator Three. Um, I'm going to sound like a misogynist or something again. Here we go. <coughs> but this is in Terminator 3, the story is that kind of rips off the second one with story-wise, but this time there's a female Terminator. Now, I have absolutely no problem with the female Terminator. She's actually really good in it. And as, as, a, as a movement of the progression of like man versus machine, machine versus machine, then female machine versus male machine, that's fine. But the problem with the third film is that the tone, just tonally, it is so all over the place. There's kind of jokes here and there where Arnold Schwarzenegger will be on a motorcycle and he'll put on these like pink Elton John glasses and there's just kind of weird. You're like, I don't, I don't get what this is going for here. And it kind of ruins what the other two films did, which is maintain a quite serious, quite adult tone throughout. But this is the problem with these, particularly when you have sequels that are made by new directors or people who weren't involved in the like the origin of say uh, a series and not that it can't be done but if you're not going to respect what made them a success and why the movies are revered in the first place you're not the right person for the job so if he's gonna you get a gold star rob you know that that point and you got to understand the reference game bit you definitely deserve a gold star for this you were just you were you're doing good here <laughs> well thank you but well, that you're like you were introducing it though. It's like if this guy, like you, never even heard of him. First of mm. all, how, how did he get the job? And you know, if you, if like you know, when when directors apply, my understanding is that unless you're a big name where their people are literally trying to get you to make something, if you're trying to get a job, a directorial job for a movie, you kind of provide highlight reels and storyboards of how you would approach a particular story. So it's not just the director's fault. The producers, whoever was on board as well, decided. Oh, of course, whoever decided. Allowed, yeah. yeah, we like this direction. This makes sense. We're going to hire this guy because we like the we like we like what he's going to do. One of my big issues as well is that Terminator Two ends so definitively, and this is a thing I'm going to call the Star Wars problem. So I call it the Star Wars problem because when basically a, a, a storyline reaches its logical conclusion, yes, yes, the franchise needs to push on anyway. Terminator 2 ends with the line, um, 
I guess there is no fate but what we make. They've averted Judgment Day. Things are actually, you know what? Somehow I think it's going to be okay. Then the third film just comes along and goes, nah, it's not. World ends anyway. So it's like this, <laughs> obviously the story had reached the end and the natural end. But because of franchise makes money, they needed to progress beyond that. So unfortunately, they just, they sacrifice the the coherence and the, the there's a word I'm trying to think of that I can't, but the, whatever, the story, you know, the kind of respect the story deserves. They just ignore that for the sake of moving on. Yeah. And because of that, Everything else afterwards just jars a little bit. Yeah, and I, you know, it's 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 so interesting because, well, Star Wars is one example of that. It's it's like it's it, it's the most well known example. And I think that the, the challenge is if you don't just let a story end, you're, it's hard to then retrofit following stories into, it, particularly if it already had a definitive ending or at least a nicely neatly wrapped up ending. A nice ball. A yeah, nice little like, ball. <clears throat> hashtag uh, Toy Good. Story. Good yes, hashtag Toy Story is right. Good God. Talk about wrapping it up with a bow. But, you know, with... with uh, a little bow peep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Give me that gold star. Well, no, so, you know, I was going to make a new one. I was going to photocopy it. For no, sake. there's one. There's one and it gets passed around. <laughs> right, it's the gold star. <laughs> um, that's brilliant. But, uh, you know... <laughs> <I> think... <laughs> little bow peep. Wrapped up with a bow peep. Um... The, the uh, God, I could be lost with train of thought now as a result. What did you it say? Was it. It what was did you say it. last? Uh, basically, we're saying we're that talking... you know, with Star Wars, you know, when by if, if, and I think this is a point you made previously, is that if you keep having to go back to the same characters and the same story and trying to fit everything in there, that sort of, that whole world becomes smaller. Like, yes. you're not exploring anything else that's out there. Particularly when, and Star Wars is a good example because it's a universe or galaxy, sorry, galaxy far, far away. Like that's endless possibilities of planets and characters you can address, but they keep going back to the same three, which is yeah, just makes, preposterous. It makes the, the larger story just seems so much smaller, and not in a good, small, personal way, but just smaller as in why is the focus constantly returning back to the same point when there's obviously it should be branching out and getting exponentially bigger. But but in Star Wars, what I specifically meant, I guess, there was at the end of Episode Six, the Empire is defeated. Everybody has their hands around each other. The Ewoks are singing, and uh, you know the 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 fireworks are going off. They're all all shaking hands and they're delighted with themselves and they're happy and they're partying. Yeah, there's that like shot of the cast all together. It's It's almost like like a a festival or something nearly or something. Exactly, exactly. It's like that's fine. That's that's the natural conclusion of those characters' story. You know what? Your brain can make up what happens after that. But then again, you have to go and you know. force awakens just kind of goes and destroys that ending destroys that bow because it's like well we want this franchise to go on so i guess we just gotta it just all happens again <laughs> yeah another, there's another empire uh we do want to we, we, we could talk about service to death here but i think yeah from the terminator, stand, the terminator. Point, from the terminator standpoint like well for I mean, like i didn't hate salvation god though that i hate Me genesis neither. i hate it despised it because it tried it brought back so much of the original and brought back like Kyle Reese again Michael Bean the embodiment of cool back in the 80s was Kyle Reese and a human against the robot who had emotions and a character and you wanted this guy and to, to succeed and you really like him and spoilers he dies at the end of the film and it's heart-wrenching and gut-wrenching and but that makes Sarah Connor stand up and be the hero she needs to be and the badass she needs to be you know and then you have Jai Courtney playing him with all the charisma of a pencil in Terminator Genesis. 
<laughs> a pencil. I yeah. apologise to pencils worldwide. You know yeah. what? They're more charismatic. Maybe they're the... just getting <clears throat> led on a bit. <laughs> oh dear God. You set yourself up too much for that one. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, not giving me that one. The, Give me that gold star back. Star Give me that gold star back. No, no, it's become silver. I've ruined, I've tarnished it. <laughs> Don't scratch the <laughs> rusty. Um, but where do you think they should have left the franchise? Presumably they should have left it at T2. Um, so this is another interesting one because there is a little bit of hope, as I discussed earlier. Um, one of the directors of Deadpool, uh, Miller something, Miller? Tim, uh, Tim Miller? What? Tim Miller, I think, is the director. Tim Miller, there you go. Tim Miller is actually directing uh, Terminator 6, Dark Fate, which ignores anything after Terminator 2 and brings back Linda Hamilton in the, the title role. Of I've Sarah seen Connor. the set photos. She looks badass, though. She does look badass. Now, it, I, I'm worried it's just a little bit too late. Like, it's, you, maybe you've left this just a few years too late. Everybody's a little bit beyond where they need to be. Even Arnold Schwarzenegger is looking very, very haggard at this point. Sammy, <laughs> I mean, come on, there he is held together with string for these at this point. Like there's like what age is that for man? He, he's seventy something, isn't he? If you look at him, he's actually crying <laughs> all the time, but his just tear glands don't work anymore. She said she said in a recent interview that she wouldn't come back no matter what unless it was the exact right script at the right time. Look, I know she has to say that, but I'm going to be honest, I do have a little bit of hope for this. To be and fair, this to her credit, though, she hasn't come back until now. So like, exactly. Yeah. Well, she, t- her voice was used in Terminator Salvation. Oh. Uh, Christian Bale has that recording and he puts it on. <laughs> and it's just like... Well, isn't it ironic we got a recording of Christian Bale? Now we're the fucking set. Was that your fucking happy... Uh, uh, I, I use it again. I know. I, I thought you were going to go there, so I was trying to get it with one first. But... Uh, I'm apprehensive about this because, oh my god, I'm just looking at who's behind it now. David S. Goyer is. Oh no! Is the, he wrote the screenplay? That's not a good thing necessarily. Well, well, well. Hold on a second. He also wrote the screenplay for all three of uh, Christian Christopher Nolan's Batman films, right? I, I think he did the story and and helped with the screenwriting. It wasn't just him though. When he's oh, been okay. left by himself, you've got Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Rob, I know I assaulted you with texts there uh, yesterday night, but Man of uh, Batman vs Superman was on again, and I haven't seen that film since the cinema. Ah, and me it's either. So, I still haven't got back so to it. So incoherent. So bad. It's like, I mean, what you got was only a slight stream of consciousness, but I mean, there was moments when I was just putting, trying desperately not to throw the, the remote control at the TV. Ah. I even switched off for like an hour and a half and came back on, and it was only somehow it was only ten minutes into the film, even though it was an hour and a half later. I, yeah. I don't know what they're trying to do with that. Mm. Anyway, that's a, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, totally, but I I, I, I I can empathize with your frustrations there. I, I get where you're coming from. It's mm. I think it's just very disapp- we were saying it. It's very disappointing because of their important characters from a pop culture standpoint, and just what they did with them in that movie is just mm. weird. It just doesn't make sense. Which but- is kind of how I feel to bring it back to Terminator. Is how I feel what Terminator Genesis did to my characters that I loved from Terminator. The Yours, like yeah. <laughs> just mine just mine just you're, just, mine. you're <laughs> walking up to the cast and you're like you're not getting a gold star from me I'll tell you that much get back in your cage Michael Bean Hollywood already threw you out now get back in your cage and throw away the key <laughs> god damn it <laughs> but like the, I felt in Terminator Genesis I'm like I'm looking at versions of the characters I love and I don't even like these new versions at all let alone the fact that there is an original version that I like somewhere you know, just, just ugh, 
I it's, just didn't. I really didn't like that Terminator Genesis film. No, no, it's really bad. It's <laughs> very bad. It's so, and like the hook in the movie, like the twist is that uh, is it John Connor's the guy that he's also a Terminator in it. Yeah, he's that this and this is also a problem where you push the technology so far that like the boss becomes unbeatable. Like he's like this nanotech moving yeah. part, like indestructible machine. First of all, they gave away that he was the bad guy in the trailer. Why? Why would you give Why? away that? My, the one thing the film had going for it. Was that twist. And it's not even that good, but at least, you know, you, you would be surprised. You're like, oh my God, what? He's a robot this whole time. It's That's, something. It's something. It's at least, not necessarily redeemable, but at least your interest levels peak again when you're in the movie. Um, but outside that, oh, it just ends in a mess. And there was like, oh, going to be a whole thing about a sequel. Thankfully, that people quickly decided, well, we don't want this. <laughs> no, it was bad. It was very bad. And like, it's supposed to be set in, in the, the whatever, I think it was the future by two years or something. Mm. And it's like, oh my God, Skynet is going to do this crazy, crazy plan. And it was like, exactly just what Google or Apple or every other normal computer company has done now. And you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh Jesus. But also, that's in the future. So like, yeah, exactly. this has already happened here. And they're acting yeah. like, Arnold, listen, listen, T eight hundred, buddy. You're like six hundred years too late, all right? Maybe six hundred is an exaggeration. It's like, okay, Google, are you going to take over the world today or tomorrow? Mm. Yeah. Okay, Google, what day is like? What day is Judgment Day? <laughs> you are two years too late for Judgment Day. But either way, I, yeah, it's a franchise that definitely has waned. Like, not absolutely terrible. I do think there are some fun bits in Terminator Three. But that's just because they're just action beats. They're not specific to the franchise. And then Salvation is um, maybe trying to do more than what it should have done, I think. It made it yeah. more human. I think people enjoyed when there's more of a focus on the Terminator as a character. Um, but when Christian Bale is just mooching around the place and then your man from Avatar is like the... He's, he's got a robotic heart. Is, is, yeah, is Marcus that... Rice is his name. No, I don't think is it's the, that. No, the guy from Avatar I'm talking about. No, that's the, 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 sorry, that's the character's name. Oh, the, the very good. That's how much I know that movie. <laughs> I mean, nobody remembers that actor's name. <laughs> <laughs> Not even himself at this rate. Is he? In... Anyway. God, he's like, I was in Avatar. Yeah, sure you were, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was in it. It's the main character. <laughs> <laughs> what, the blue guy? One of the many. Um, I, don't, I mean, that's a great example. Will we move along? Let's do it. Okay, for me, what I've got next, and this is <clears throat> to talk about near and dear for me, is uh, Indiana Jones. So is this the beginning of your of your Spielberg trifecta? My, my Spielberg trifecta. Um, the other ones we don't need to dwell on too long because they're obvious as to why they should do this one. I don't understand it. I hated it. And what's hilarious is that when I was doing research for this, um, this episode, uh, Indiana Jones came up I remember going what the fuck are they talking about how dare they say that Indiana Jones like I thought they meant like they should have stopped after Raiders because I guess some people find Temple of Doom a little bit wobbly but when you're comparing it to Raiders of the Lost Ark that's always going to be the case any film is wobbly compared to Raiders of the Lost Ark yes but um, and I've seen I saw it in the cinema because I remember like background to this there's there's this is Kingdom of the Crystal Skull you're referring to by the way Indiana Jones the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull there are only a handful of movie series that my entire family are willing to watch. One are the Mission Impossible series, the other is How to Train Your Dragon, and the third... Oh, well, Back to the Future there is there as well. 
But Indiana Jones is always the ones that we return back to regularly. So much so Indiana that Jones, everyone's family will watch Indiana Jones films together. It's just it's, it's just a done thing. Like it's, it's on the Christmas Day usually mostly exactly. on Stevens Day. But people watch it. And everyone has some version of the DVD trilogy. Like or the videos and the DVDs. Like like I have by my just myself, outside of stuff that Dad has bought separately, I've got two different versions of the trilogy just because I just bought it again. I don't even know what I was doing. But like, just in case, just, just in, in case, case something goes wrong, <laughs> you never know what's going to go wrong. Just, just in a case, like it's just in a DVD case. It's ju- just in case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the fact was, is I had put, I'd mentally removed Christmas, Christmas Skull as being part of canon, just you know, subconsciously. I just decided I hated it so much, and I felt it didn't fit in. As like at the time, I was kind of like I was so pumped at the cinema just to see Indy back. I was blinded by the fact that this wasn't actually a good movie at the time and then ah, oh. in retrospect it's particularly bad I didn't I didn't particularly like it and then at the end when they were bringing aliens I just was like oh my god for god can George Lucas not stay away from sci-fi anymore it's like have we gotten no, to that point the moment I knew I was going to despise that film was when they had that scene again talking about CG and use of CG in movies where they're going across the vines and the monkeys start <laughs> coming with them <laughs> oh my god God, Shia LaBeouf what? is in it as well. That should have been the first red flag. That should have been the first and the only red flag, flag you yeah. needed. But because um, he was like Spielberg's sort of protege for a while, for he was. Time. It's like yeah, before anybody realised. Wait a second, this guy's shit <laughs> and a lunatic. Yeah, and a lunatic. Yeah. Um, but I had forgotten that this movie was, uh, you know, technically part of the Indiana Jones series. So when I saw that, I, I remember going, "What?" And then I obviously looked into this and I was like, oh my God, I completely forgot that there was Indiana Jones and a Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I had completely forgotten about it. Which I think that alone says a lot about what I thought of that movie. I think what a lot of people thought about that movie. It, the trilogy ends so perfectly. And I'm going to just keep calling Again, it Again, like trilogy. I'm saying, like I said about this the story, logical conclusion, full circle, boom. The, the Last Crusade, which is one of my favorite films of all time. Which, which, which is your favorite Indiana Jones movie, by the way? It's The Last Crusade. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, again, a lot of people are like, the first one's easily the best. No, no, third one's the best. Third one's the best. Can you get a, a, a better pairing than Sean Connery and Harrison Ford bumbling about as his dad who's completely hapless? And then, yeah. but you know, they're both motivated by the same goal, which is fun. So they're both trying to get there, but they have different ways of getting there. And just every time I hear Junior, I yes. crack up with laughter. The I Return of Salah. Yeah. Oh my God, he's fun in it as well. Um, it's and and the other guy, the other guy's in it as well. Isn't he from the first one? Uh, oh, his librarian friend. Oh Jesus! God, oh, God damn it! That's gonna that's gonna hurt me for a while. But you know the guy I'm talking about. Anyway. I know who you're talking about. That he's 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 another hapless friend of Sean Connery. Yes. yes. Um, oh, also, never... another little a uh, little bit of trivia. Is it Marcus Brody? Is it Mark Doctor Marcus Brody? Dr. There you go. Is it? Yeah, because John Reese Davies right. is Salah, and I, I'm pretty sure it's it's because they're like, where's Marcus? Where's Marcus? Where's yes, Marcus? there you go. Yeah, but um, a little bit trivia. You probably already noticed, but the what's the spec- the, the weird thing about the Temple of Doom? Uh, the bit with the heart, is it? Well, not not that specifically, but by the weird weird thing about it being a sequel. Oh, because it's it's a prequel to Raiders, from what I remember. Yes, because th- yes, that's, that was the weird part. The timeline is strange. It's so unusual that for some reason it's actually set two or three years before uh, the ten, uh, uh, Raiders, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost, Lost Ark. Yeah. And yes. I pre- pre- I'm pretty sure that's there's like a the, the tactic there is 
to um because the first one is so significant maybe there's a bit of like oh do we want to do we want to define where indy is after raiders let's yeah can we can we just give ourselves a few more years yeah to to figure it out because <laughs> we weren't expecting it to be that much of a success let's ride high on this one like um i mean temple of doom i think is still a lot of fun um I always describe Raiders as um, the like the ultimate the ultimate action adventure movie. Uh, Temple of Doom is like being on a roller coaster, and then The Last yep. Crusade is like this amazing uh, family movie wrapped up in like that kind of sort of adventure kind of spectacle. Imminently uh, watchable is how I would describe uh, The Last Crusade. Imminently watchable. It's ah uh, everything about it is like I just adore. There's a there's I I I. I I demand that anyone listening go back and watch it and just wait for just all these little character moments between um, obviously Harrison and then Sean. I know that I, I'm good mates with them. So I, can, I can just use first names. Yeah, Harrison. Yeah, my mate's Harrison. Oh, my mate Harrison. Man. I watched The Fugitive again actually the other day. Fantastic. Um, I forgot to make a sequel to The Fugitive. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Fugitive. There you go. He's on the run again. No vote. <laughs> but, um, he... Uh, that moment in in the, the castle, uh, or the, the last crusade. What the, the last crusade, where the castle catches fire, and they're trying to figure out what to when, do. So they're tied. And they're in the chair. They're tied to the chair, and they get to the fire. That's fireplace. the moment I was about to say, Rob. I'm not even kidding you. I was about to say that moment. It's one of the greatest movie moments for me ever. Like the, one of the one of the ones that I can always remember, even from a young age when I first saw it. They they're trying to figure out how to go through the fire. They hit like a like the one of the one of the rods that you would use for like that's by the fireplace, and it spins them around, and then they're brought into another room. It's almost like a hidden wall, and it's like this Nazi, uh, Nazi radio center, and then it, but it continues, and they're back out with the fire, and then Connery brilliantly says, "Our situation has not improved." <laughs> oh, it's such it's such a good movie. It was actually on at Christmas. I was watching it again. Of course, it was. And do you know when you don't want you know well not when you want to watch it when you don't mean to watch a film you're like oh, I'll put it on for a second and you're just you can't look away can't, can't look, look away. away and the performances are so good and even the whole name where you got the name thing it just works that's so the dog and that's a ends... great quiz question by the way if you were to ask you know like if like um where did Indiana Jones where did he get, get his, his name, name from his dog it's great it's but like I suppose we should talk about so that I I think the trilogy is quite frankly perfect now again personal kind of preference like I, I everyone grew up with these but they had a real impact on me just because it's just that level of energy and adventure that you want from a movie and it's like yeah. it's that golden era of the 80s where they were just particularly like the, the certainly the golden era of spielberg you know those late 70s to the early 90s is when he really just couldn't do any wrong just like, rash it out classic after classic, classic after, like in between all these you've got um et and close encounter well close, close encounters, encounters before of then you've got et and um and then jurassic park kind of and Schindler's List kind of round out, you know, that the the, the mid nineties, but the Nice universe, <laughs> the Nice universe, the end of the Spielberg Renaissance and the beginning of the uh, Nissan Renaissance, you could say. But there's there's a lot to be. You'd wonder, you know, they were always for decades. They were talking about when we were going to get Indiana Jones again. You know, what what what, what when were they going to find the story that they wanted? What was it that would do it for them? I am shocked. Many that hoped was... that they had left it too long, which it did seem to be. But no. <laughs> yeah, but no, they made it anyway. That's that's just what happened. And it's like, I don't know whether this was intentional, but it reminded me of, you know, you know the Pixar movie, Up? You know the way yep. uh, the folks is like, why don't we give the story back to the older generation? Why don't we give them a chance to, 
to yeah to show have their moment have their moments again. if they're not um if they're not out of the zeitgeist yet zeitgeist yet that's fine if you're, you make them doing things that they can legitimately do when like when harrison ford is fighting a guy and he falls through a glass lands on like a tank like at, at that age there's only so much nonsense slapstick that you can watch before you're you're like you know like in raiders he did this and he had to be stitched up afterwards. But he, this guy is twice the age he was then, and now he's just walking away from it. I don't get what's happening. Here, here's a nice way I can put that into film terms for Indiana Jones. Do you know in the old Indiana Jones movies, there's like a specific noise when he punches people, a specific dush. Yeah. It's like really loud and kind of over the top. Yeah. Now, that exact same noise was brought back for the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But yeah. this time, instead of being Harrison Ford in the prime of his life, he's like a 76 year old man slowly moving his hand towards someone else's face and that noise comes back on the dush, and it just looks so comedically out of place it's like a Hot Shots movie or something mm. and it's it, like a I spoof think, yeah and I think that sort of sound effect it doesn't suit iconic in its own right but it doesn't suit the, the modern filmmaking kind of style I, th- I think it's too slapstick like there's literally a slap clap sound to when those punches you know when there's that impact <laughs> Yeah, it's like a stage hand in the corner's like. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. And like even in that, a lot of where you hear that noise is where he's fighting this guy, uh, this 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 Russian soldier or Ukrainian. I guess Kate Blanchett's character is Ukrainian in it apparently. But the um, it's like a lot of ants, a lot of killer ants. Oh, I absolutely I forgot about that until you just mentioned it. <laughs> oh my god, the killer ants. Oh. I I don't know. There's so much that's so. It's weird. The more I think about, it, the more that some of it is coming back to me. Um, but they brought back the also the girl from the first Indiana Jones film, who I actually Marian. think is fantastic. I mean, she's great in it, and actually, <clears throat> that moment where they're reunited is a lot of fun. You know, where because he's this hardened it's Indiana Jones, he's even gruffer than he's been before, and he's even more cynical than he's been before. And she goes, Indiana Jones, and then he goes, Oh, oh, oh my goodness! He kind of he loses yeah. it for a sec. <laughs> I actually really like her. And out of the the Indiana Jones, you know, girls, I hate to say that, but there's like one in each different film. Mm. She is easily the best because she was like kick ass in the first film. She like true. never had to be rescued. She'd rescue him more than he rescued her. And fun facts about the other two in, in uh, Temple of Doom and in you definitely know one of them. But uh, obviously, Kate Capshaw, who is in the second one, became ultimately married Spielberg. And then the girl in the third one, in the last three, said Alison Doody. She's Irish. Is she Irish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's an Irish actress. The, she's playing the German soldier. Um, which no, she's well, she's the yeah, she's she's the, the the she's also she's you know she's the love interest between the two. Do you remember? Yes, they yes, both, yes. They both they both they with her. I'm assuming yeah. there's the next man. <laughs> which is brilliant. Ah. <laughs> um, I also love just there's something kind of old school and almost reminds me of James Bond in it with the villain, the guy who's you know the wealthy guy. You know, Dr. Jones, you know that guy. There's something oh, yes, very yes. evil, even just in the way he speaks, that I love. It's, it, it suits the era perfectly. But then when and you try and scene, take that and transplant it to 2008, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it has that scene that I was so terrified as a child, where at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, they open the ark and the guy's face literally melts. Oh my God. And for the time, the effects are fantastic. It's uh, <clears> Well, they just those built films. those models and they just melt them melted them and then they've, they've put fast real effort out. yeah like like practical effects 
that like you look back and you know it's not real. But in fairness, when you look at CG stuff happening, you also know that's not real. You think you do also know that's but not like, real too. It's just it's just whatever <laughs> way you're kind of going and appreciating it. So it's you know it depends on what I guess what your what your standards lie. You do know there was plans it. to make to make another one as well. They wanted to follow it on by having Shia LaBeouf take over. What's his name? Is it Buddy or is it Mutt? It's Mutt, isn't it? Mutt. I mean, <sighs> talk about the run to the litter. Nice. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> but that hurts my brain that film it's it's very frustrating like they obviously should have left that's a, i think that's a very obvious one where they somehow got through the trilogy with it being perfect and then returned to it and here's the crazier part people did not, people did not respond well to the killing case so they're like you should have just left it where it was so they oh, decided, yeah, a lot of so, people said this so they've decided oh well let's fix it by making yet another movie to be released in 2021 and I guess at that point, Harrison, Harrison Ford will be the ripe old age of, what, 76 at that point? Look, I hate to say this, but no, he'll be 78. on set. <laughs> He's now 76. So now he comes out, he will nearly be an 80-year-old Indiana Jones going around. Like, how do they expect that to work? In any way, shape, or form. I mean, in the last, or The Force Awakens, he was he was pushing it with uh, some of those action scenes so I don't think he's really going to be uh, swinging on any vines again anytime soon mm, I mean, I, I know think, he wasn't yeah. the one who swung on the vines it was mush but yeah. still so bad I, <clears throat> a lot of weird stuff happened I, I think some of the writing was actually a bit of fun I think there's some there's some quippy Indiana Jones like lines that are good but that's again if it's built around these set pieces that don't oh they don't mesh very well what do you think of the fridge moment um I mean it obviously is ridiculous i did I, they didn't have to make it so all they had to do was just cuss to the to him being in the fridge somewhere outside the town and then him coming out of it but the fact exactly. that they showed the footage of it going 100 miles an hour through the air and then landing in the dirt and then him spilling out of it that so basically there's a nuclear explosion and you see him getting into a fridge he's getting blown away in the fridge and he's careens through the air and then comedically gets out of it again like you said i mean spielberg's a smart director just have an explosion somewhere outside the, the, the town. You see a, a, a fridge fall on the ground and he gets out of it looking all days. That's yeah. all you need. Spielberg you is renowned. Need to... Yeah, he's renowned for the, being the director who doesn't show you necessarily what's happening. He gives you like a character perspective. Uh, he, he puts you like other oh, characters watching something else. So normally or, when he wants to do that with the audience, he'll put you somewhere else and then bring you back where the ha- action was happening elsewhere. When it's the only when it's necessary. scene in Jurassic Park. Yeah, like... Oh god, that's iconic. Where he uses Alan Grant's head essentially as your vision, basically, by getting Ellie Ellie moves his head. But also remember, modern modern Spielberg also directed Ready Player One, which I still maintain we are going to have an episode where we just watch that film and discuss it because it's worth Disgusting. all of the time <clears throat> in the world. Well, he's my favorite filmmaker, but he's been wobbly over the last few years. Some good stuff, some not so good stuff. That's the James Cameron effect, like I said earlier. It's close yeah. to my heart, but my god. Yeah. It's it's anyway like obviously they should have left it at Last Crusade. I adore that movie. There's so much that's wrong with Crystal Skull. Like, like I presume you like I, I'm thrilled to hear first of all that you like Last Crusade the most because it is definitively the best. It I, is definitively the best. But um, because Raider, Raiders is really rough for me. Can you believe this is crazy? Raiders was made for eighteen million dollars. That's how much that movie cost. Listen, Raiders, don't get me wrong, my love for Raiders grows tremendously deep. That is a deep well. So I'm not trying to disparage Raiders. Oh, yeah, exactly. I just like, prefer The Last Crusade. And it's not me, because. Me too, but, but, it's just because and it, it hinges on the fact that uh, the dad 
and son relationship is so fun to watch. That relationship is so good, and they act so well together. Like, and also, also fun um, fact: there's only about seven years between them when they're doing that. That's that's true. That's true. Actually, I think Connor is only about seven or eight years older than Harrison Ford. But even Indiana Jones' character is great because he just he, all he does is go in places and take absolute beatings all the time. Like he's not the suave guy or the cool. He goes in and gets kicked off from for twenty minutes. That's, That's what great. And like again, we keep. T- I think we keep down from the fact that Indiana Jones has always been this. It's been a response to James Bond because Spielberg famously yeah. wanted to direct a James Bond movie, and then he was given this instead by his buddy George Lucas. And then you know they took it from there. But then it's almost like they play into that by it being very unsophisticated. You know the bit like where the, where the blimp at the Last Crusade, where yes. he walks in in, and the tuxedo is so ill-fitting, he's bursting out of it. And again, it's not like a classy spy bit where he's trying to figure out um, who has or hasn't a ticket. He just punches a guy and throws him out of the blimp. Like there's or the fight, the fight scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he's literally kicked around by that guy until the airplane propeller just chews the guy up, misses him. Yeah. Anyway, like we, oh god, I can talk about these these movies to death. I said, was it one more thing about Raiders of the Lost Ark? Please great little uh alfred molina at the very start he's the guy who leads indiana jones into the, the first temple oh my god and then he gets mm. spiked <clears throat> impaled <laughs> uh, they also uh, that, that's a great example of how you introduce a character in, uh, into a world is that opening scene is like oh, referenced constantly oh, because opening scene because it has everything you need he's you, you don't get to see his face for ages it's just this guy and it's always that silhouette with the cap is always captured and actually they referenced that in crystal skull and that got me jazzed when I, was, I was like oh he's back i can't wait and then this the, is going to be fantastic and then the rest of the movie happens and i <laughs> obviously he, he was back but not in the way i wanted but you know he's he's doing some puzzle solving and just just the physical comedy is great as well as the action remember he pushes down a little plate and an arrow just hits the, the pole that he used and it would have hit him straight in the face but obviously he just happened to be in a position like there's just that kind of just by chance he gets by kind of style yeah it. and, it's and that, that's why you like him yeah he isn't he isn't the suavest coolest best no that ever. and a lot of the time it is luck that he survives but that's what makes it fun and of course that theme tune is just one of the all-time great john williams movie team tunes john williams knocks it out of the park yet again <clears throat> well, I've gushed about. I mean, I, I guess I brought up this that, that that particular leave it there example just so I could gush about Indiana Jones for a little bit. But that Which was is reasonable. I, but, I mean, I gushed about Aliens and Terminator for quite a long time. But it's kind of one of the situations where, like Toy Story, like so many words, they've managed somehow to create a. Se- that's hard to do to create a sequel that's self-contained. Or sorry, it's a, a trilogy that's self-contained that wraps up the story. Like they literally write off into the sunset at the end of the third. Like literally, that's how the movie ends, and then the credits roll. Like, like up against the sunset like talk about wrapping it up with a little bow peep that's what that is and they just just leave it where it is and even that, the end of uh, um, The Last Crusade when they think Indiana Jones is dead and then he comes up behind him and the music begins again and it's oh. just it's just they're so good they're, they're excellent films they're so they're, they're, I'd say over the test of time they don't just stand the test of time they are better now maybe than they were back then so rewatchable every such time every time what, yeah. Yeah, when you watch them back, you just enjoy it more and more. Every it's like your point. Like you would go and plan on watching all of it, but the second you happen to just uh, you happen upon upon one of those movies being on, you're in. You're you're, you're that's your that's two hours gone. And R two D two and C three PO are in Raiders of the Lost Ark as well. So. They're in the te- they're they're engraved. They're like hieroglyphics. Yes, they? Yeah. yes, they are indeed. Very good. All right. Well, I'm glad I got to bring up that one. I think that's leave it there. After the last Crusade, Crystal Skull into the bin. Into the bin. Into the, into bin. the bin with you. <laughs> the bin, and your- sir. No gold Crystal. star for you. 
Oh, God Spielberg. Um, right, I'm just looking at how long we've been on here and we're on quite a long time. So we've been for a while, yeah. I'd say we'll get one more franchise each, maybe. Yeah, sounds perfect. Yeah, we'll have a, don't worry, there'll be a part two of this. Now I'm going to move it a little bit away from movies and yet again, another franchise that is so dear to my heart. <clears throat> and I'm going to talk about, and this is actually going to lead us on to quite a lot of things, I think, but Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> oh my... Of all the things you could have said, that is definitely the last thing I would have expected. <laughs> yes. Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, to say I became disenfranchised <laughs> with this franchise. Oh, dear. I meant to use that at the start up top, and I just kind of forgot about it. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't I... we like us to forget something important while we're recording an episode? Would yeah, it? Wouldn't us, we like us, at all? us do that? No. 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 <laughs> Shocking. But I love, uh, I love all the Mega Drive Sonic games, Sonic 1, 2, 3... Um, grew up with them I mean Sonic the Hedgehog uh, Knuckles uh, even so- even Sonic 3D which doesn't have the best reputation amongst fans I still thoroughly enjoyed that game um, Sonic was obviously a, a, a counterpoint to Mario's much more slower platforming Sonic would dart ahead and he would show the power of the uh, 16-bit Mega Drive when it came out and what the console was capable of which basically meant he could run from one side of the screen to the other side of the screen pretty pretty fast but uh love the games i love the twitch perfect reactions i love the the kind of colors everything's so bright and colorful the music music is amazing because obviously for sonic 3 for instance uh michael jackson was involved a bit of a touchy subject at the moment but music's really good if you <laughs> listen to some of the songs and listen to a lot of uh, pop music at the time there's so much influence so to quickly I mean, interject was that around the time when michael jackson also had a game release for some sake of console. The Genesis called he... Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. That's yes. Where That's exactly I, mean, what I'm talking I didn't about. want to bring this up, but if we're gonna go there, where he went around rescuing children. But anyway. Yes. Ah. Do you know what though? It's actually a really good game, is the problem. <laughs> oh, God. If, I, if I recall, oh god, it's happening. Save one of them. We're there. <laughs> we're, 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 save in one the murk. Them. we're in the murkiness. Ah. We're in the depths. <laughs> ah. I can't believe <laughs> I'm laughing here. Do you remember they made They'd be annoyed that every time you would save a child, they'd just go, Michael! Yeah, yes, that would Michael, be, that would... Michael! And he'd go, Wee! Ah, ah. You had a special move, and if you pressed A at the bar big enough, everyone on the screen would get into a dance, and then they'd all die at the end. It was so funny! There was also, at the end of the level, at the very, very end of the game, if you got enough kids, God, this sounds weird, but you could turn into a robot, and there was like a whole scene where you could fly around as a robot. It was based in the movie, which uh, thankfully I've never seen. What movie? Uh, I, I think it was called Moonwalker as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's... Look, guys, you're just learning stuff day. all over the place here about a, a particularly weird subject. <laughs> so Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sonic's in the ball right now with his spikes coming out From of everywhere. One just to another. his head down. But I, I, want, I wanted to talk. So when did Sonic go wrong? Um, Sonic went wrong when 3D came about. Now, the first 3D Sonic game was... Uh, well, technically was Sonic R on the Saturn but anyway the first like platform 3D game was Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast and there was Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 I'm going to be honest I loved both these games I think they were really really good I think they kept a lot of spirit of the original the problem was they had Sonic shoehorned in with a load of his friends so he played a really fast Sonic level and then you'd have to go like fishing with a, with a guy called Big the Cat or you'd have to what? yeah it was absolutely terrible so all the speed all the the sense of you know immersion was just lost when you're 
a cat trying to frog trying to fish for his friend called Froggy, who was a frog. None of this is jokes, by the way. This is this is all Sonic Adventure. I, I know this is what I. That's the part that's more striking is that this is this is legitimately what happened. Legitimately, the idea to make. So, a game can you like give this. me? A, can you give me like a bit of a, a time span here in terms of how, how the like from? Do you know the dates of when? I sure do. So, Sonic Adventure One on the Dreamcast was 1998, which makes me feel so bloody old. It's also bad because, like, that means Sonic has been bad since 1998. <laughs> that's a fantastic that's point. even that's just so 20, 20 years of bad Sonic and um, the worst and Sonic's real low point was a very famous game called Sonic the Hedgehog in 2006 for the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 it's one of the most notoriously buggy games ever released I mean everything about it's broken it barely works it is it is literally unplayable I got it second hand I mean look I love Sonic I said I'd give it a chance I honestly could not get past the third level. And I was trying everything. I mean, I, I consider myself a, pre- a pretty average gamer. But I, I mean, surely to Christ, I can beat a Sonic game, you know? But apparently not. I mean, how challenging could it possibly be? Mm, that's what I would... You know what? We should play that live as well and see how that goes. So what's it called? I need to look this up. What's it called? Sonic uh, it's has- literally just called Sonic the Hedgehog. There's also a kind of a love story with him and a woman, which is kind of odd... But that's that's secondary to the other problems. Yeah, that's just that's just uh, that's just more the, the sort of like the aftermath of what's happening. Really, the I think crazy icing on the cake. Also, there was in two thousand and five, a mere year before that, there was uh, the attempt of Sonic the Hedgehog to go into the more gritty, like Grand Theft Auto world. So there was Shadow the Hedgehog, a spin-off from you know Sonic. Sonic Adventure Two had a character called Shadow, who was basically Sonic. But he was a black hedgehog and he was had guns and he would, you know, fight with guns. So in Shadow the Hedgehog, you can like rob cars and shoot people. It's, <laughs> it's insane. Why, why why does this exist in the Sonic the Hedgehog world? Why? Sonic, now with guns. Yeah, now with that thing you've always wanted. It's guns. not pesky robotic bothering you. Just shoot him in the head. Yeah, that's the thing that the, oh, this, the game opens. Just Robotnik, just like with his head blown off. And he's like, I thought he was an egg. Yeah, he was no egg. I'll tell you one thing he's dead regardless he is dead regardless but the main reason I wanted to talk about Sonic right and this is where this is interesting about franchises because that franchise got so bad and so maligned and so awful but it it brought it back in 2017 a game was released for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox and everything Xbox One called Sonic Mania oh I remember you talking about this Sonic Mania is a direct sequel to Sonic and Knuckles from the Mega Drive. It is the same 16-bit graphics, the same side-scroller, and it is just incredible. It it also shows you that if you have a good core gameplay loop... Yes, yeah. It doesn't matter what year it is, it doesn't matter how long it's been out, that that game is still great. That game is better than 99% of video games released today. Like, hands down. See, that's that's a fantastic example again of why, you know... um, form of you know it's 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 like um a style over substance right so and like everything we've talked everything we've talked about it that's like been a running team it's like <clears throat> indiana jones the original <laughs> the, Lord running of the, oh, nice the running team running- <laughs> 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 the running team didn't even well <laughs> didn't even mean it but like we talked about how even if effects wise they don't stack up as well it doesn't mean they're not they're just mean they're bad and in often cases the, the newer version, the new generational stuff has just gone too far. The others, you know, too far east is west. They've ended up 
being so swish and so stylish that it looks off or it doesn't suit the yeah, aesthetic. Yeah, the ingenuity it doesn't, it doesn't of trying to work within limits almost is better than having unlimited access and unfettered ability to do things. I mean, I remember you, you talking, you had a renewed uh, uh, lease in life, I believe, when this game came out. You were, you were not happy. I mean, every day you'd walk in uh, wherever you were working, I wasn't there, but uh, you'd uh, chat about how, God, you know, is there anything worse than living in a world where Sonic is so shit? Is there anything worse? I'd, I'd be there with my blow-up Michael Bean doll just being like, Michael, you get what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, Ross! I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's just you yourself. It's like... A, it's like a... And then to be a kid and you're just like, just going, Michael! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Over in the depths again. <laughs> but it, yeah, God. I mean, we're always at a nice edge. So, like, I think we've tried to keep this pretty structured. We, so we, we, uh, we that dodged that Liam Neeson bullet pretty good. So, look, it was going to happen at some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wasn't going near that. Particularly, no, as, no. We were talk- particularly as, I was, as we were mentioning, we were going around killing people. I was like, don't, don't say it, Ross. I, I <laughs> yeah, willing- yeah, Ross. Ross, I know what you're thinking. I know what <laughs> I you're thinking. I was just willing you not to bring it up. I was like, maybe we could just, maybe I could just breeze through this. And ironically, we're kind of <laughs> getting closer again to it now. Anyway, so tell me about Sonic. But basically, Sonic just proves that, you know what, sometimes sometimes something can be terrible and keep being terrible for a long time, but you can bring it back. Sonic yeah. Mania brought it back. It's a fantastic game. I implore anybody who's played the original Sonic games, give it a shot, give it a try. Even if you hadn't, it's a joy, it's joyful experience. It just It's a pure video game. You know, there's not much cutscenes, there's not much story, there's no story, essentially. It is just that joy sure, okay. of playing a video game and enjoying what you're doing mm. i mean i've always i actually have a fond memory of you know sonic because it's it's been that was kind of the core game that introduced me to video games because mm, me too um I, I had older cousins who had a lot of sega stuff but we never i never got when i was younger um but i remember dad uh when i was maybe five or six he got a windows 95 pc Hooray. That, was the, that, that was the operating system at the time that was all the rage um and i don't know um, what game it was specifically, but it was Sonic for the PC, and it was in that old aesthetic. Like, so it would have been right around that time when you would have also been playing. Like, it probably was a ninety-seven or nineteen ninety-eight version of Sonic, but just on PC. Yeah, I'd say so, because there was a lot of uh, a lot of like revised collections, or whatever you call them. And it was yeah, there was kind of a collection. I mean, I didn't understand what I was doing. I was I was but- I was I found it very difficult. I'm not gonna lie. It was, it's a challenging game, but that, the, just the the arcadiness, the music, just the whole aesthetic of it really kind of got me hooked onto the 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 um, just the video game side of things, and and obviously it's lasted because I'm still the playing. The promise of Sonic, uh, and it's funny I haven't got back to him. I do remember though playing a 3D platformer version of Sonic into maybe maybe PS2, or P, P, I think maybe PS2 era, where you're like I, bouncing I, around islands, you just like launch yourself from sort of platforms to like. It wasn't like it, he wasn't doing these tracks. It was more like he was just almost like a Mario 64 kind of style. I bet you, I think it was Sonic Adventure. I think that it sounds like Sonic Adventure, which which ironically is where I think the franchise took that dip. And That's where it took a turn. Careened, careened off whatever track it was on. And <laughs> finally, whatever, 12 years later, got back on track. Um, hey, th- that's, I mean, so, but this, you've brought, this is an interesting one though, because I guess... You would argue they should have just left it somewhere, or maybe kept it a certain style. Like, but also they've brought it back, and maybe by bringing it back, they've there's a renewed sense in you know oh, how purpose. good it was back. Yeah, but yeah. so should they have? Like, is is all the years of hardship for you, Russ? The decades 
of putting up with mediocre and subpar Sonic games, is it worth it just to get back to where they left off? I would say yes, because as I said, Sonic Mania is such a joyful experience that it's just, maybe it was worth running myself through the mud all those years of crap Sonic games. I mean, you were going to be doing it anyway, so that is true. Sonic was there. <laughs> yeah, he was just there beside me. I'll keep you company. Oh no, you're making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Um, I, I think it's interesting as well. It speaks a lot about kind of how gaming has gone these days. We won't go into too de- in, won't go into it too in depth, but just the retro style game is back in a in a big way. You oh know, my god! PS2, PS3 was all about swish, sexy graphic, the AAA titles. You know, the, the more realistic it looked, the better. Now people are like, ah, I don't mind it being arcadey and fun. I like it's nice to have video games that are fun. Actually, I, I forgot Actually, about that. Indie games are, are the scene at the moment, aren't they? Like they're where all the attention is. Indiana Jones games, yeah, they're, it's, it's, they're really popular. Yeah. The Indiana Jones games are a fantastic example of this. I actually have it on the Nintendo. It wasn't great. I'll say that one. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the whip was fun. Actually, as that, well. The, so the last hurt. time I played Indiana Jones, an Indiana Jones like character in a game is whoever, and also within that retro setting, whoever, if anyone has ever played Bro Force. Bro Force is good. Bro Force, yeah, it is very much that. There's retro an Indiana again. Bronze. Character Indiana Bronze. <laughs> with a whip. <laughs> It is amazing. I highly encourage anyone to go play that one. Um, and again, that that pixely retro feel, just like the Sonic Mania, that that, that, again, that probably was out around the same time. It, yeah, people actually, it was really actually, probably that, before that Sonic old. Mania. Yeah, just they just people enjoy that arcadey. Just it's just a game for for a game's sake. It's, it doesn't have to be this big elaborate open world with a with interlocking interweaving story arcs or a gigantic stuff. inventory with no loading screens. Yeah, it doesn't have to exactly. Yeah. 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 Or an empty universe with no character whatsoever. Yeah, but with no personality or nothing. Jeez. All right. Um, I know we said we would do two, but I think we're probably going to have to leave it there because we've been rattling on oh for God. two hours well, now. Time flies when um, you're talking shite. Mm. I'll tell you that much. I, I think like we could we, we could just do a gaming and TV focused one rather. Than oh, good God! We have so much more. <laughs> we have so much more as well. Also, there's what there's. I ambitiously thought I wonder if we get to touch on comedies but you I think know, what's we, nice we, we could. haven't mentioned we actually could genres that we can delve into later but there's a lot to be said about the standalone comedy being ruined by uh, sequelitis as well we could deep dip into that another time but there's um, so many that have already come to my mind that it's, it's uh, yeah, oh yeah. god I, I love that this is that for any folks that are listening I bet you there's ties for if you're that involved if you're, you know, you're, when you're listening to something you're screaming for them to mention yeah the you're waiting that for it the, the, the one is the most obvious that's the great thing about these kinds of lists they just, they're just they're also growing lists because people are going to continue to make bad sequels that's a fact of life this is be this will be a living list one might say mm. that we can revisit and <laughs> never or never revisit again one might say <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should just leave it here but that's maybe we should that's yeah how many are, franchises are part- how, how did that franchise a list call there was one yeah there was one yeah Otherwise, we're just part of the problem, really. We'll, next time, we'll criticise ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> that sixth episode was really bad. <laughs> but listen, we'll wrap it up there. But before we fully close out the episode, we do. I mean, uh, first of all, I'm thrilled. I managed to get the great reference. You did. Well, well done. Congratulations. <laughs> I didn't even have to do my impression, which was... Which mm. I was but can I practicing. hear it anyway? That's what I wanted to get to. Can I hear the impression? All right, let's see. <sighs> Here we go. Okay. Oh, jeez. Oh. Come at me if you want to live. That's an impression, all right. God, I hope that sounds better when I listen to it back. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I wouldn't hold your breath, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a pretty. I mean, you're not Austrian. I mean, it's not your fault. Um, 
uh, look, I'm thrilled we got it. And I think um, uh, maybe you and I were a bit too specific last time with the references. I think it's really uh, Listen, I mean, I've had lots of people saying they were very easy. So, uh, all right. Ooh, 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 I'm pulling my collar out right now. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you a priest now? Here, listen. Oh, let's, Jesus. Um, let's uh, move on to the, uh, the our, our famous, our other world famous segment. Um, we got some good feedback on the on it last time that people were less uh, sure of which one was which. P- the, this time was very. Uh, this time we very definitely got people uh, off, yeah, off guard. The first iteration of it, I can't remember what I said, but people were coming right up to me in public and just saying. <laughs> You're full of shit. Just and that's not even you. related. Just not even like, that, must have been, that must have been about the Rossback Rob fact. <laughs> Definitely. That's what I'm hoping about. <laughs> <laughs> just in a nightclub. Just some guy dig me in the stomach. Oh, God. That's the goddamn Rossback Rob fact again. <laughs> it has to be that. There's nothing else it could be. <laughs> Definitely didn't spill drink on him or anything like that. Uh, uh, all right. So, I mean, Ross fact is the first fact. So, Ross, buddy, why don't you kick it off? Right, so again, the aim of this game is you have to tell us, is Rob's fact true or is my fact true? So, my fact is this. Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is the third Die Hard film for people who don't know. This was originally written to be Lethal Weapon 4. Take it away, Rob. (laughs) All right, the Rob fact this week is Tom Hanks. Wasn't paid a salary for Forrest Gump. There you go, folks. They're both great. I've forgotten what's what in it, but uh, either way. I mean, I want the both to be true. I mean, we both, uh, well, are they both true? Maybe they are. Um, Look, it's going to happen one day, let's be honest. (laughs) That's definitely going to happen at some point. (laughs) By accident, we'll get our wires crossed. But listen, um, uh, that's the end of that world famous segment god isn't it amazing how famous it is it, I mean uh, internationally internationally renowned I mean I am upset that uh, people aren't walking up to you and uh, attacking you in the middle of the street because I, I, I know it's definitely got to do with the segment and nothing got to do with the person I mean the segment is I mean look maybe because the first one your fact was false so people are just catching up so when my false fact comes out they'll be pissed off at me uh, hopefully, I mean, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, listen. I'm sitting here with my fingers and toes crossed that that, 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 that day will come. I just gave <laughs> you a great way out there, right? <laughs> you should take that. <laughs> I'm open. All right, but, everybody. Uh, so thank you again uh, if you're still here. Thanks so much yeah. for sticking with us. Um, and again, we know this is a longer form episode, but that's by design. We're keeping the news segments kind of within that hour mark, but we every now and again we do periodically kind of want to do these special episodes where we don't necessarily dive into new stuff, but just have fun discussions about. Uh, you know, trilogies, movies, series, everything like that that we, that we would normally be talking about anyway. Um, big topic issues, you know, big ticket Big items. stuff. And boy, oh boy, have we got a load of big ticket ones. But jeez, oh, uh, too much. Too much big ticket a items. a lot of them. <laughs> I can Best three quarters of a movie. That, I cannot wait for that one. That's the gold star. That is the gold star. I thought that gold <laughs> but, star was made for uh, is that. I mean, I definitely have to retain the gold star today. I mean, you had it momentarily for a second, but I got it straight oh, back. Surprise, surprise. It didn't last long in my possession. What an unusual turn of events <laughs> uh, that is. Oh, my goodness. We couldn't have called that, could we? But uh, <laughs> thanks again, folks, for listening. I remember there's all sorts of outlets now that you can listen to the show on. Um, of course, you've got Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, 
um, Stitcher um, and a few other bits and pieces that we didn't even sign up for, but I guess we're there anyway. Just and of course Spotify, which is the latest one, which people apparently are very happy about. I didn't realize people use Spotify for podcasts, but what do I know, huh? I mean, I do. That's why I put it up there. But I mean, I guess that's why there's two of us involved in this in this <laughs> giant, giant venture. And again, uh, we've got uh, some. You've got the Twitter account at CapUnderstands, and then also CapUnderstands.com is where the website is. If you want to drop us an email, anything, it's uh, the lads at CapUnderstands.com. I the more and more we read it out, the more and more I am so happy with it. Just that some simple stuff like that. Forget about the content. Just little things like the lads at Cap Understands is just the best. They just make it official. Makes it real, you know. <laughs> oh, it sounds very official. It's the lads. That's the, just the, the, the lads at Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> that's like I'm not emailing that <laughs> but anyway folks um, thanks so much for listening uh, again we welcome feedback this kind of stuff but we'll leave you there for now um, and as always I've been Rob I've been Ross and this has been I Understood That Reference I Understood That Reference listening. Episode 6 oh, bye everybody Indy bye yeah. bye <laughs>